Recording in progress. Thank you very much. Uh, we will now do the standard practice. Uh, I'll now bow to my right and I'll bow to my left. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I now request delegates to observe a moment of, of silence for prayer or meditation. Thank you very much. Exited. Honorable um, members, uh, allow me to begin by reminding all delegates uh, that the, the rules apply and so do processes for the hybrid, hybrid city. I would also like to make the following announcements. The delegates who are physically in the chamber must connect to the official platform as well as insert their cards to register on the chamber's uh, system. That they must switch off the sound of their gadgets. They must ensure that the microphones and the gadgets are muted and remain muted at all times. They must use the floor microphones. They must wear face masks at, at all times. They must occupy seats marked uh, for that, that purpose. At all times, they must maintain the social distancing, a distancing of at least one and a half meters from one another. The delegates must switch off the, on their videos if they want to speak and or address the chair. Any delegates who wishes to speak must use the raise your hand function or icon. All delegates may participate in the discussion through the chat rooms. Chat room. Um, honorable delegates, uh, I have been informed that uh, there'll be no notice, notice of motion or motions without, uh, without notice. And that being the case, we'll therefore move, proceed and move on to the first order of the day. Uh, consideration of the National Gambling Amendment Bill and report of Select Committee on Trade and Industry, Economic Development, Small Business Development, Tourism, Employment, and labor thereon. Uh, I now call on uh, Honorable M.I. Hai, Chairperson of the Select Committee, to present the committee report. Honorable Hai. Honorable Khai, please proceed. Chair, 
in the absence of Honorable Kai, uh, I will proceed. Muiman uh, here, Honorable Chairperson. Yeah, please proceed, Muiman. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Chair. Chairperson, the National Gambling Amendment Bill is one of the bills that were not finalized by the Fourth Parliament. It was revived by the National Council of Provinces in the Sixth Parliament and referred to the Select Committee. Uh, the report that we are tabling at the beginning outlines uh, the purpose, one which is to amend the National Gambling Act uh, number 2004, uh, of 2004 and uh, to uh, provide procedure for forfeiture of unlawful winnings. Two, to provide for the quorum to make the final decision in the second meeting with the majority of members present. Uh, three, to ensure that there is dissolution of the National Gambling Board and to also provide for the establishment of the National Gambling Regulator. The process that was followed uh, uh, National Chair uh, it's as follows. Uh, the, like I indicated, it was revived by the uh, NCOP on the 17th of October 2019. And uh, the Select Committee was briefed uh, on the 16th of July 2019. Uh, between eight, uh, 18 to the 27th of November 2019, uh, this period was set aside for uh, brief uh, by the uh, portfolio by, by the uh, committees in the provinces. A uh, number of errors that were raised uh, given the divergent views from the uh, uh, committees as follows. Uh, one was the, uh, the provinces raised uh, the concerns around the establishment of the national gambling regulator without a board structure. The response to the concern was that the national gambling regulator is established in line with other entities in the Department of Trade. Uh, the DITIC or the Department of Trade uh, and Industry Competition entities had adopted the governance model of the board structures to experience governance challenges. And uh, the national gambling board as a result of those challenges, uh, has been led by an administrator. Uh, the second concern uh, was around the National Central Electronic Monitoring System. The provinces uh, were concerned that uh, this National Central Electronic Monitoring System, which is currently monitoring limited payout machines, will be extended to all modes of gambling. The provinces indicated that casinos and bingos already have their own monetary systems and provincial licensing authorities. Indeed, that the intention to extend the national central electronic monitoring system to other modes of gambling is to consolidate information throughout the country for legal modes of gambling. Uh, and that the National Gambling Board currently has an exclusive mandate over the national central electronic monetary system for the LPM's mode of gambling. Uh, this uh, uh, National Central Electronic Monetary System is a national register set out in the National Gambling Act. Uh, and this function will ensure that uh, the National Gambling Register continues to work as a central repository of gambling information. Chair, the third point uh, uh, around the National Gambling Policy Council, 
The amendment empowers the majority of the members present in the second meeting of the National Assembly Police Council to make a decision if in the first meeting there was no quorum. And most of the provinces uh, raised issues around this area. Uh, the fourth point that was raised, uh, chaired by the provinces, was the issue of autonomy and independence of, independence of provincial inspectorate, where national inspectors are allowed to investigate without prior approval of the province without being accompanied by the provincial inspectors. Section 76A provides for the additional powers of the national government inspectors that they may act with or without provincial inspectors to investigate illegal gambling activities. The final mandate was submitted, uh, Chair, uh, with uh, three provinces voting in favor of the bill and four provinces voting against the bill and two provinces abstaining from the from the from the uh, voting. The Eastern Cape abstaining from the voting. The Free State uh, voted against the bill. The Houting voted against the bill. The KwaZulu Natal abstained from voting. Limpopo voted in favor of the bill. Pumalanga voted in favor of the bill. Northern Cape voted in favor of the bill. Northwest voted against the bill. And Western Cape voted against the bill. The bill was not supported by the required number of five provinces. So I tell the report, a national chairperson. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much, Honorable Mwema. Um, and thank you very much, Honorable Delegates. I now put the, the question. The question is that the the, the Bill uh, be agreed to. Um, but before we proceed to, to voting, I shall now allow provinces the opportunity to make their declaration of votes in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. And as members know, uh, there's a maximum of three minutes allocated for uh, declarations per province. Um, any declaration? No? Uh, thank you very much. My hand is up. Honorable Lund. Thank you, um, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable yes. Members. You make um, a declaration, yes. Yes, that's correct. Please proceed. Thanks. Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, I firstly want to start out by thanking and congratulating members across party lines who for the first time in quite a while voted in the best interest of their province whom they represent. We might not always agree with one another, but it is. But in the NCOP, we are here to represent our provinces. In the past, colleagues from the ANC often voted according to a party line against what is best for the province you represent. This bill showed how the NCOP should function, and the majority of provinces who exercised their vote mandated their representatives to vote against this bill. May this be the start of how we do work within the NCOP by unapologetically representing our provinces irrespective of party lines. We, su we support the committee report that, the re that we reject the bill, and as a Western Cape, we do not support this bill. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, any other province wishing to make a declaration? None. Uh, we shall now proceed to, to, to vote to the voting on the question. 
And the question is that the bill be agreed to. Uh, I now call upon the province to cast their votes. And when called upon to do so, heads of uh, delegations must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. Uh, we'll start with the Eastern Cape. Chairperson, I would like to, to rise on the procedural issues. Yes, Mumbai. Uh, the, the presentation from the Honorable Moimang on the committee indicated provinces that supported provinces that didn't support and that therefore the report that is presented here, no sufficient uh, requirements were meant to either reject or adopt it. But I thought that it would be advised in terms of the procedure that is taken, because in our view, we believe that this report will then be presented for further process that will be dealt with. It is not my view that it should be rejected or adopted uh, by the House, but it must be further referred to a uh, mediation processes so that issues that are raised by provinces genuinely so should be responded to according where procedure is taken. I believe that this is a different procedure altogether that the House has got to take today. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an important comment. Uh, perhaps the best way to do is to note the comment, uh, but proceed with the with the procedure. Uh, it, it makes it makes for uh, easy management and logical management of the of of, of, of how we do this. Yes. Uh, Yes, yes. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, I do agree with the point of order that the Chief Whip raised. This bill has been brought to the Parliament, to the Council, in the fifth Parliament in December 2018. And the votes were the, the same. So in the committee, the committee didn't pass the bill because five provinces didn't vote on the bill in the committee. It was then brought to council and referred back to the committee. Now we are in the sixth parliament. This bill has been brought to the council under the same circumstances. It, I can't see how it can be referred back to the committee for the second time. So procedurally, we either have to vote on the bill, uh, which means that the, the bill will be rejected by parliament, by the NCOP, and then according to the constitution section 76, will have then to be referred to the mediation committee that will have to approve it within 30 days, otherwise it lapses. And that is the same as rule 175 in the rules book. Thank you, Chair. Okay. And another way of managing this uh, issue would be to say that uh, the bill has gone through various processes uh, and clearly, as the Chief Whip was, was saying, it, it doesn't have the necessary uh, support. Uh, and, and if the House so agree uh, that uh, 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 we we should we should therefore uh, 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 refer this bill to the next 
step in the next process. Uh, and that next process is, is that the bill will be referred to the will refer to the mediation committee. Uh, so it will go to the mediation committee. Are we agreed? Agreed. 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 Yes. Agreed, sir. I, I, I guess what 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 I'm saying is that if you go to the mediation committee, uh, and and that is really uh, uh, on the assumption uh, that the provinces have rejected the the bill. And I just want to emphasize that so that we don't come back to this point at a later later date, a later stage. Uh, so agreed, agreed. Okay, person. Agreed. Lont. We are agreed. Um, it's just that, just, that the, the, just that there's a technical point that is being raised, and 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 I'm, I'm I'm trying to take us through through that. And the technical point that is being raised by the table is really that uh, uh, the bill can only be referred to the. Uh, mediation committee if it has not it has been rejected by the house you see that's that's that this is the point so i don't don't don't, don't, don't let us waste time and quibble over the point over and over again again but 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 if we have the same understanding the better so i'm just emphasizing that that was correct uh, Constitution, Section 76, point one. Please put the back on. There's the next one there. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, okay. Uh, section 76, 1D. If the council rejects the bill, or if the assembly refuses to pass an amended bill referred to it in terms of paragraph C, the bill, and where applicable, also the amended bill, which is not applicable here, must be referred to the mediation committee, which may agree on the bill passed by the assembly, and so it goes on. But in this case, it's D applicable. If the mediation committee is unable to agree within 30 days of the bill's reject referral to it, the bill lapses unless the assembly again passes the bill, but with a supporting vote of at least two thirds of its members. So chairperson, with all due respect, on a technical point, I do agree that that bill should not have been here in this council because 
in the committee stage, five provinces didn't vote it through. But that bill has been stuck in that committee in the previous term. Mm. It's going to be stuck there because nobody wants to change anything. So now the bill is here in this house. And the only other way that we can say is if we say that the bill has been rejected because it's clearly been rejected because it wasn't passed, it has to be referred to the mediation committee Section 761D, Rule 175 in our rule book also spells it out. The Mediation Committee has to either accept it within 30 days or it falls as a bill. It fails. Thank you. Thank you very much. Rather, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, don't make our situation more difficult. <laughs> Lavoskakan <laughs> is, is really asking that 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 we we go the automatic route of referring this bill to the mediation committee. And the reasoning is that the bill has already been rejected at the committee stage uh, and discussion. So do you want us to go through the formal process? No, I, I want to I want to to call a point of order here. It is not true that the bill was rejected at the committee level. It wasn't rejected. Let's 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 be clear. Let's be clinical about it. Five provinces didn't vote on the bill. It is indicated how many provinces supported the bill, how many abstained, how many rejected the bill, which doesn't allow for a decision to be made. So on what basis would we reject or adopt the bill in the House? We don't have mandates to adopt or reject the bill. It was indicated in the committee. So your ruling chair was taking this out of impasse, was taking it further by referring it for further processes that must unfold. There, there was no voting. So I think we okay. need to deal with it in the manner in which we have already decided <laughs> for. Or allow that this question on the matter Still, stand a uh, 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 question. Stand. Uh, let's defer the, the question on the matter uh, until the presidium makes a decision on this. Uh, and, and, and I want to to make a ruling on members to take us out of the difficulty that we seem to be in. Uh, and, and the ruling is that we shall go through the process. Yeah. What's the point of order? Chairperson, the Honorable Chief Whip said that this bill has not been rejected in the committee. Uh, the rule said that five provinces has to vote in favor of the bill. That is point number one. Five provinces in that committee did not vote in favor of the bill. Whether they abstained or not, it was not a vote in favor of the bill. Then the next rule applicable to this legislation is a bill has six to eight weeks to be passed through the processes within the NCOP and the provinces. If they want to go over that period of five to six to eight weeks, the chairperson has to get permission from the chair of the council for extension of this bill. That permission is not mentioned in the report. There was no permission. So on which grounds are we sending this bill back to the committee for the second time round, if we're not going to say that this bill is rejected. No, no, thank you very much. We will now proceed. Please, there's, there's so much uh, business 
that Ethiopia is to go through today. So we can't discuss the same point over and over again. Now, uh, I'm, I'm making a ruling that will, will then follow the process so that we end uh, what's, what's going on at the moment. Uh, uh, so I'll call on, upon the province to cast their votes and we'll call upon to do so. Heads of delegation must indicate where they vote in favor against or abstain. We shall do so in alph alphabetical order. The Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape abstain. Abstain. Thank you very much. Free State. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson of the Council. Free State vote against the bill. Free State vote against the bill. Gauteng. Gauteng votes against the vote, Chairperson. Gauteng uh, vote against. Kwazulu Natal. Kwazulu Natal abstain, Chairperson. Uh, Natal abstain. Elimpopo. Limpopo support, Chairperson. Limpopo support. Mpumalanga. Um, Mpumalanga support the bill. Mpumalanga support the bill. Northern Cape. Northern Cape support the bill, Chair. Northern Cape support. Northwest. Northwest. Northwest abstain, Chair. Uh, Northwest abstain. Western Cape. Chairperson, I rise in the point of order. Northwest can't change their mandate. Their mandate was voting against the bill. They have to vote again on the mandate the provinces gives to them. The Western Cape uh, vote against the bill. Uh, we can. We can we're, have... we're, we're talking northwest. Okay. Madam, okay. we're trying to assist. I, I can help, Chair. I can help. I've got the report of the committee. Northwest, uh, Northwest is part of the provinces that uh, voted against the, the bill, uh, which brings us back to the original position that the bill should be referred to the mediation committee. So Northwest, Northwest, yes, Northwest. Yes. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Sorry, um, Northwest. Uh, Vote against. Against. Thank you very much. Western that Cape. happens when you trust uh, that member from the Northwest. Ne? We, we still can vote against the bill. Western Cape still vote against the bill. Um, so three provinces in favor, four against, and we have two abstentions. So the bill, the, 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 the bill has not mustered uh, enough, enough votes for it to be, to be passed and, 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 and therefore to be referred to uh, the mediation committee. Thank you very much. Now proceed. We'll now proceed to the second order, consideration of financial sector laws amendment bill and report of select committee on finance thereon. Uh, and I now call upon Honorable Njadu, chairperson of the select committee on finance to present the committee report. Okay. 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 <laughs> 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning, Chairperson, Honorable Chairperson. As the whip of the Committee of Finance, uh, Chairperson, um, Honorable Karim. Um, uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable. Um, whip. Yeah. Honorable uh, Chair and Deputy, uh, Honorable Chief Whip, Honorable House Chairs, Honorable Minister and Deputy Minister, and all members of the NCOP. Uh, the report of the Select Committee on Finance on the F Financial Sector Laws Amendment Bill, which is Bill 15, B15B 15 B 2020, National Assembly Section 75, dated 22 December 2021. Chairperson, just to give a background of this bill, the Financial Sector Laws Amendment Bill, uh, FSLB, forms part of the Financial Sector Regulation Act, FSRA, or Twin Peaks. Regular regulatory uh, reforms introduced in 2020 in 2011, which covers the conduct and transformation of the financial sector. As the National Treasury explained, the purpose of FSLAB is to address uh, banking risk, failure and weaknesses, and mitigate impacts of financial crisis. It seeks to address the shortcomings of the current financial legislation, partly necessitated by the lessons learned from the 2008-2009 global financial crisis and domestic experiences and to enhance the South African Reserve Bank, the Reserve Bank's financial stability mandate to expand its objective for depositors' protection. It was further said that the South African lessons learned from the South African Bank and VBS demonstrated the need for additional powers during an intervention and an explicit privately funded deposit, uh, deposit insurance scheme to protect vulnerable depositors. <clears throat> With regards to, pro, uh, to the process followed by the committee on 7 September 2001, the National Council of Provinces NCP formally referred the FSLAB to the Select Committee of Finance for consideration and report after the Standing Committee on Finance voted on it. Uh, Chairperson, um, the objective of the FS, FSLAB is to amend the Insolvency Act 1936, the SARB Act 1989, the Banks Act 1990, the Mutual Banks Act 1993, the Competition Act 1998, the Financial Institutions Protection of Funds, Act 2001, the Cooperative Banks Act 2007, the Companies Act 2009, the Financial Markets Act 2012, and the Financial Sectors Regulations Act. Um, the bill pro uh, proposes that the process of re resol resolution takes place under the management and control of the SARB, which will be the resolution authority. Resolution as defined by the National Treasury refers to a process during which a com competent authority, the resolution authority, takes over the control and management of the affairs of a designated institution that is failing or likely to fail in order to restructure or resolve the institution with the use of resolution tools in a manner that seeks to protect financial stability and minimize the reliance on public funds. This sec uh, section uh, summarizes 
which is in terms of public participation, the overall and written submissions received by the committee organized in terms of key concerns raised by the four stakeholders and the recommendations made thereof. Only to mention two chair, now, just to make mention of the COSAT who welcomes the FSLB in principle and believes that it is a necessary and long overdue intervention by government that would help protect workers, pensioners, the state and the economy. ABSIP is in full support of amendments proposed in the FSLB and its overall stance in, in amendments proposed by the National Treasury by National Treasury. The committee of the following recommendations, Chairperson, the committee supports the objective of the FSRA under which the current FSLB fails. These objectives seek to maintain stability of the financial system, maintain soundness of regulated financial institutions, protect consumers of financial pro products and services, increase access to financial products and services and combat market abuse and financial crime. The outcomes of which are expected to benefit the society in general, including retail financial customers, financial institutions, and their stakeholders, poor, poorest households, small, medium, and micro enterprises, SMEs, and rural development programs. We also support the proposed amendments in the FSLB, which broadly designate the SARB as the resolution authority, establish a deposit in insurance scheme, and provides for coordination, cooperation, collaboration, and consultation between the different entities in relation to financial stability and the functioning of these entities. These amends are amends are expected to, amongst other things, address banking risk, failures and weaknesses, and mitigate impacts of, fi of financial crises. Lastly, Chairperson, we recommend that National Treasury and SABR continue to engage with the different stakeholders to address the gaps identified in the bill and guard against the unintended consequences of the bill. The Select Committee on Finance, having considered and examined the Financial Sector Laws Amendment Bill, B15B2020, National Assembly, Section 75, referred to it and classified by the uh, Section 75, accepts the bill. Lastly, Chairperson, the Democratic Alliance reserves its position, the Economic Freedom Fighters uh, reserve its position, the Freedom Front reserves its position, the report so tabled for consideration. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Njadu. Uh, Honorable Delegates, I now put the question. The question is that the bill be agreed to. But before we proceed to voting, I shall allow political parties the opportunity to make that declaration of vote in terms of Rule 63, if they so wish. Any party willing to, wishing to make a declaration? My hands is up, Chair. Yes, well, let's uh, Thank you, Chairperson. The Financial Sector Law Amendment Bill seeks to provide security for depositors who put their hard-earned money into financial institutions. 
The bill proposes to establish a framework for the orderly resolution of banks that are designated by the Governor of Reserve Bank as important. At the face value, the bill seeks to put in place practical measures to safeguard workers, small businesses, pensioners, and taxpayers' money as depositors. However, it also means that as a country, we will not be able to legislate systematic and structural challenges that many of our people will face when they entrust financial institutions, mainly banks, with either their money or when they seek financial services. Banks currently stand as the most untransformed institutions, which entrench, which entrench racism in their system. Yet, South Africa continues to amend legislation which caters for the financial sector, despite their untransformed policies, which continue to fail black people in the economy. As EFF, we have since inception proposed for the creation of state bank, which shall cater for the financial needs of our people. While the proposed deposit insurance scheme is important, we must ensure that we criminalize reckless behavior by people entrusted with depositors' money. We must also acknowledge that today we stand in this council deciding on a bill of this nature because the Reserve Bank continues to fail to transform the financial sector, particularly the banks. EFF doesn't support the bill. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Any other party willing, willing to make a, wishing to make a declaration? Chairperson, uh, my hands been up. Yeah. Yes, Karim. Yeah. Chairperson, I'm having some problems with my uh, uh, connection since late yesterday. So can I plead that uh, I don't switch my video on? Uh, uh, but obviously I'm very much here. Uh, basically, Chairperson, I'm not very clear what the EFF is saying because exactly what he, well, what Mr. Malatsani is saying is what the bill is seeking to address. Uh, it does, in fact, meet the obligations of the country, as indeed other countries that are part of the international financial system. But in fact, it's precisely to address the 2008 global economic and financial crisis, as indeed the challenges we experience in our own country with the African bank collapsing and the state had to come to its rescue. So it's for those very reasons, Chairperson, that this bill is introduced. It's only a part of a tranche of bills dealing with the new Twin Peaks model, which we've drawn upon other countries from, but we've adapted to suit our own needs. And in particular, the very concerns that Mr. Malitsani expressed about transformation, because as you know, Chairperson, as we all know, it's the poor and the disadvantaged that suffer disproportionate banks collapse. That's what happened in 2008. It had nothing to do with our country or the developing world. But the greed of the bankers in the developed world, the US in particular, the UK and Europe, caused huge consequences for us. I'm gathered, if I'm correct, that we lost, if I remember correctly, over a million, 1.1 million jobs because of it. Other countries suffered even more. It's because of the resilience of the financial sector in our country that we didn't suffer more. And in fact, it's partly because of our regulatory regime. But even then, Treasury, in its wisdom, and correctly so, said, look, we have to do more. 
to uh, uh, like uh, uh, sort of plug the, uh, the the loopholes, and that's what they're doing. That's what you should encourage. In fact, where I agree with Mr. Molitsani, as I'm sure the party I come from will, is that national treasury should uh, accelerate the process of this new model. Uh, and he's right. We must criminalize reckless behavior, and that's in fact what this bill is intended to do. The issue really is for us as parliament to hold the executive to account and ensure the institutions it set up to stop what happened in 2008 and else uh, other times helping uh, actually uh, ha happening again. And that means more effective monitoring from our side, more demands from our side on the executive and the institution set up by the executive to actually implement what we have in this bill. We also agree that of all the sectors, the financial sector is relatively untransformed. We realize that at this time with COVID and the July unrest and the consequences, we can't afford to alienate the private sector. But on the other hand, we have to transform. We need to find the right balances. And I agree with Mr. Malatsani, as indeed as our party, that we need to transform the financial sector. And in fact, we also support a state bank long before the EFF was even formed, if I'm correct. Certainly, the minister recently, if I'm correct, or certainly Treasury or the previous minister said, what about the possibility of the African bank being used? In any case, we bolstered them through the taxpayers' money. So we're on the same page there. It's just that I'm a bit puzzled about why Mr. Molitsani would not vote or his party for this bill. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Any other party wishing to make a declaration? No, none. Thank you very much. Uh, we now allow for 30 seconds to delegates who are outside the chamber and the visual, and the, or on, on the visual plat platform to join the, the house outside the, the chamber and or official platform to, to now join the house. 30 seconds. Forty-five seconds left. Thirty seconds left. Fifteen seconds left. Ten. <laughs> Five. Thank you very much. Uh, we will now proceed uh, to the voting on the question. And the question is that the bill be agreed to. Um, we will now uh, proceed to those who want to vote in favor. Please raise your hands and keep them there. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Good morning, Honorable Mushodi. I vote in favor. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sure they just wait a minute. Uh, I'm sure the table is looking at the hands and the accounting. Uh, 
Thank you very much. Let's just uh, check if there are no people who are, who are in, the, in, the, in the system who are voting. As well. No, the hands, I'm sure, have been, count, have been counted in the house. Please, you can please lower your hands. Let's just concentrate now on those who are in the system. There's Mushodi. Mushodi, if you can just repeat what you're saying. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Good morning. I vote in favor, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. There's Mushodi. Any other person voting? No. The counting, I'm sure, is, is complete uh, on those who are voting in favor. Let's move to those who are voting against. Please raise your hands and keep them up there. Uh, there's the EFF in the corner, noted. Any other vote against, Chairperson? Um, some is also voting against, noted. A plane vote against. A plane is voting against. Lee voting against. Lee is voting against. Is any other person in the system who is voting against? We shall now lower all the, the hands. I'm sure counting is done on those who are voting against. Uh, those who wish to abstain. Abstentions? None in the house, in the system, I'm sure none so far. Uh, voting is closed and the table will now submit the, the results. The results are as follows. 41 in favor, six against, and zero abstentions. The bill is therefore agreed to in terms of section 65 of the constitution. Thank you very much. Honorable um, delegates, we now proceed to the third order. Consideration of the National Envir Environmental Management Laws Amendment Bill and report of select committee uh, on land reform, environment, mineral resources, and energy thereon. Uh, I will now call on Honorable T.C. Mudise, Chairperson of the Select Committee on Land Reform, Environment, Mineral Resources, and Energy, to present the report. Honorable Mudise. Yeah, oh, no, 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 no. Cancel this. It must be zero, zero. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson, Deputy Chairperson, Chief Whip, uh, Minister, who are 
in attendance, House Chairpersons, uh, Honorable Members, uh, good morning. The report on Select Committee on Land Reform, Environment, Mineral, Energy, and uh, on the National Environment Laws Amendment Bill B14D. 2017, National Assembly, Section 76, dated 27 December 2021. Honorable Chairperson, the Department of Environment, Forestry, Fishery, briefed the committee, and all nine provinces were invited to be part and parcel of that briefing. We continue with the briefing, and then from there, we continue with the negotiating mandate. Because it was a very, very difficult bill, we took more than seven days uh, to deal with the negotiating mandate. Uh, and then on the 7th of September, we dealt with a e-list of the uh, committee, I mean, of the bill. After we deliberate on the e-bill, we proceed to the 16th November, whereby all nine provinces submitted their uh, final mandate. Chairperson, I just want to tell you that this bill initially was referred to the, uh, the Council 2018 by the Fifth Parliament. But fortunately, it was reviewed by the Council this uh, 2019. After the mandate, we proceed with the bill on the 16th of November, we agreed on the amendment bill. The Select Committee on Land Reform, Mineral, Energy, having deliberated and considered the subject on the National Environment Management Law Bill B14D2017, National Assembly Section 76, refer it to classify by JTMS Section 76 bill. Report that has agreed to amendment bill B14F 2017. Therefore, the committee requested the report to be considered by the House. In this report, Honorable Chair, eight provinces agreed. One province didn't support the bill. We thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and I put the question, the question is that the bill be agreed to. But before we proceed to voting, 
I shall again allow Professor Debuchu an opportunity to make the declarations of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. Um, any indication? Any province wishing to make a declaration? Yes, Western Cape. Thank you, Chair. Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, this bill seeks to amend various acts dealing with the environment. These include the National Environmental Management Act of 1998, the National Environment Management Amendment Act of 2008, the Air Quality Act of 2004, the National Environment Management Biodiversity Act also of 2004, the Integrated Coastal Management Act of 2008, the Protected Areas Act of 2003, and the Waste Act of 2008. It should therefore come as no surprise that the inversion of this bill consists of 89 clauses spanning over 47 pages. The Western Cape has two major concerns. The first one is Clause 35, proposed the insertion of subsection 1C to section 43 of NEMA, meaning that any person may appeal against the decision made by the licensing authority contemplated in Clause 31. 36.1 or 47A of the National Environment Management Air Quality Act. In the case of municipalities, the appeal will be to the Municipal Council. This requires consequential amendments to section 43.4, 5 and 6, which were not included. The Constitution of South Africa allocated the responsibility for air quality management to local governments. Section 36.5C of the National Environmental Management Air Quality Act allocates this responsibility to the National Minister as the licensing authority for listed activities. We are concerned that this will be in future be tested and found wanting by the Constitutional Court. The Western Cape therefore does not support this bill. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks, Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, the ANC broad policy statement on environment as articulated in 1992, ready to govern policy guidelines, put its that the ANC believes that all citizens of South Africa at present and in future have the right to a safe and healthy environment and to a life of well-being. The policy guide further state that the broad objective of our environment policy are aimed at fulfilling these rights and for such ground and development within South Africa must be based on the criteria of sustainable. The National Environment Management Laws Amendment Bill makes a number of progressive, progressive amendments related to specific environment management act. I would like to highlight a few NEMA equity at the NEMA Waste Act, the NEMA Protect Areas Act. Under the equity chair, it has been reported by the World Health Organization that 
2013, about 20,000 South Africans were killed as a result of air pollution. And recently, it has been reported that air quitting in Johannesburg in particular has been very disappointing. The proposed amendment will provide for a mechanism dealing with air population and prescribe consequence for unlawful conduct of listening activity result in atmosphere emission equity and require responding to emission and licensing of listening activity in issue under the provision of this act. On waste, waste remain one of the challenges that faced by our local municipality, meaning companies are the one, the biggest waste product and in the past. The conduct of some of the meaning companies has been very worried, worrying and had a result in lack of environment re rehabilitation after land issue. There are a number of time dump in around the provinces and this purpose process serious health risk to communities living in around them. The amendment of section one of the NEMA Waste Act bring much needed. As you conclude, yes, as I conclude, uh, Chairperson, Haldos was business wasted building and demolition was as well as insert waste. In closing, Chair, um, Houting Province support this report and adoption of the National Environment Management Laws Amendment Bill. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Honorable Mamar Khan, I thought your, your mic was on. Okay, no. All right. Uh, Honorable Matibe. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Um, Honorable Chairperson, the province of Limpopo is committed to the promotion and protection of healthy environment in line with the provisions of Bill of Rights, which stipulates that, open quote, everyone has a right to an environment that is not harmful to their health or well-being, and to have the environment protected for the benefit of present and future generations through reasonable legislative and other measures prevent pollution and ecological degradation, promote conservation, secure ecological, sustainable development and use of natural resources while promoting justifiable economic and social development, close quote. South Africa is one of the most progressive environmental laws on the continent and in the world. In 1998, the National Environmental Management Act was enacted with the object of making the provision for cooperative environmental governance by establishing principles for decision-making on matters affecting environment, institutions that will promote cooperative governance, procedure for coordinating environmental functions exercised by organs of states. The preamble of NEMA states that sustainable development requires integration of social environmental factors in planning, implementation, 
and evaluation of decision to ensure that development serves present and future generations. NEMA is the competence of the Department of Environment, Forestry and Fisheries and the Department of Mineral Resource and Energy and all nine provincial governments. It is umbrella legislation under it we have Honorable Chairperson Specific Environmental Management Act dealing with, for example, waste protected areas, biodiversity, air quality, integrated coastal management. It is this umbrella piece of legislation that we have considered its amendment as the select committee and as the province of Limpopo, we support the bill. We therefore particularly pleased that the bill is intended chairperson to ensure that there is adequate public consultation with stakeholders in consideration of development that might impact on the environment. In conclusion, Honorable Chairperson, we are equally pleased about the proposed amendments that seeks to transform the sector, promote the inclusion of black professionals. Limpopo province supports the adoption of national environment management laws amendment bill. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Any other iteration from any other province? No? Thank you very much. We shall therefore proceed uh, to voting on the question, and the question is that the bill be agreed to. And I'll call upon the provinces to cast their votes. When called upon, heads of delegations must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. Uh, Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, I pass the report. Eastern Cape supports the report. Free State? Free State votes in favor of the bill. Uh, Free State supports the report. Gauteng? Gauteng supports the report. Gauteng supports the report. Guazulu Natal? Guazulu Natal, EIS supports the Bobo. <laughs> Mbopo, Marakha? Mbopo support the report. Mbopo support the report. Mbumalanga? Mbumalanga support the report. Mbumalanga support the report. Northern Cape? Northern Cape Northern support case. the report, Honorable. Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. Northern Cape support the report. Northwest? Not always support the uh, report, Chair. Not support the report. Western Cape? Western Cape objects. Western Cape objects. Uh, therefore, vote against, I guess. Yeah. Order on Western Cape. In the committee, they agreed. They support the report. But today, they changed their mind. Yeah, well, well, I'm sure they can change their mind. Chairperson, <laughs> a question of parody. Did we yeah. vote on the bill or on the report? Because if we vote, voted on the bill together with the report, we rejected the bill. Well. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
We're just Mr. checking the mandate. Chairperson, on a point of order, it was my mistake that Western Cape supported the forestry bill. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Thank you very much. So Western Cape votes in favor. Uh, th thank you very much. Uh, voting is closed. All nine provinces voted in favor of the report. So the report is therefore agreed to in terms of section 65 of the constitution. Thank you very much. Point of order, Chair. Yes, what's the point of order? So that the records can reflect correct. We're not dealing with the forestry bill here. So what uh, Honorable Lawasafen is raising is not correct. So if it's supporting, she must be on record referring to something that we're dealing with. We have not yet come to the forestry one. It's the next one. So he's talking about the next one. Chairperson, Chairperson, on a point of order, I did the declaration on the National Environment Mental Law. On that one, the Western Cape objects, but we are against the bill. Thank you. And it was objected and was against it in the committee. Okay. All right. So record then the Western Cape vote as a vote against. Yes. So voting is closed as indicated. So each uh, province have voted in favor and therefore declared uh, the bill agreed to in accordance with the 65 of the Constitution. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll now move on to the fourth order, consideration of the National Forestry Amendment Bill um, uh, and report of the Selection Committee on Land Reform, Environment, Mineral Resources and Energy thereon. Uh, I call on Honorable Mudise uh, to present uh, the, the, the report. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, once more again, uh, good morning, honorable members. The report on Select Committee on Land Re Reform, Environment, Mineral, and Energy on the National Forestry Amendment Bill B11B 2016, National Assembly Section 76, dated the 16th November 2021. The Department of Environment, Forestry, Fisheries briefed the committee. The committee decided to invite again uh, nine provinces to be part and parcel on the 2nd of June 2021 on the National Forestry Amendment Bill B11B 2016. The bill was initially referred to the committee on the 28th August 2018 during the fifth uh, parliament, but it was reviewed by the council on the 17th October 2019 in the sixth parliament. The committee called on the written comments while the provinces are dealing with the public hearing. <clears throat> we, after the public hearing, 
at the province at the end we engage in the process of negotiating mandate where we took two days to deal with a negotiating mandate because we wanted to make sure that procedurally we must make sure that we leave a stone unturned. On the 7th of September, we dealt with the final mandate, whereby all nine provinces agreed upon the bill. The Select Committee on Land Reform, Mineral and Energy, having deliberated on the consideration of the subject of, of the National Forestry Amendment Bill, B11B 2016 National Assembly Section 76 refer it to classify by the JTM as Section 76 bill report that it was agreed on the amendment bill B11D 2016. We therefore requested the, the report to be adopted. I thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. I now put the question, and the question is that the bill be agreed to. Uh, but before we proceed to, to voting, uh, there shall be iterations in terms of uh, Rule 71, uh, and the maximum time allocated for this purpose is three minutes, as members know. Um, any province wishing, wishing to make a declaration? None? Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we shall now proceed to the voting on the question. And the question is that the bill be agreed to. I now call upon the provinces to cast their votes. Where called upon to do it, to do so, heads of delegations must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. We shall do so in alphabetical order, starting with the Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, yeah, Kassa. Supports. Free State? Free State supports the report. Free State supports the report. Gauteng? Gauteng in support, Chairperson. Gauteng supports. KwaZulu Natal? KwaZulu Natal, yes, sir. KwaZulu Natal, yes, support. Mpopo? Mpopo support the Mpopo supports. Mpumalanga? Mpumalanga supports. Mpumalanga supports. Northern Cape? Northern Cape supports. Northern Cape supports. Northern Cape supports the bill. Northwest? Northwest, yeah, I'm Northwest supports Western Cape. Western Cape supports. Western Cape supports. Voting is now closed. And all nine provinces have voted in favor. I therefore declare the bill agreed to in accordance with section 65 of the Constitution. Thank you very much. We shall move on to the fifth order, consideration of the Civil Aviation 
Amendment Bill, B four four B, twenty eighteen, National Assembly Section seventy five, and Report of the of Select Committee on, on on Transport, Public Services Administration, Public Works and Infrastructure. Thereon, I call on on Honourable Muima. Chairperson of the Select Committee on Transport, Public Services and Administration, Public Works and Infrastructure, to present the committee report. Thank you, thank you, National uh, Chairperson uh, of the Council of Province, uh, Dr. Masondo. Uh, the bill uh, chair seeks to amend the Civil Aviation Act, which uh, provides for the establishment of the Safety Investigation Board. Uh, key to this juristic uh, body chair uh, is uh, the powers uh, vested in this body to investigate the aircraft accidents and incidents in South Africa. But more than that, uh, the establishment of the civil of the South African Civil Aviation Authority that is vested with the powers to promote civil aviation safety and security. Chair, the, uh, the bill also seeks to consolidate uh, various pieces of legislation dealing with uh, the regulation on civil, civil aviation that existed at the time. Uh, but also to ensure that uh, where there were some hiccups that in that uh, full, full operation, this is mitigated. Uh, what is key also is the provision of Chapter 4 of the Act, uh, which were never promulgated due to various reasons, one of which uh, was the practical difficulties in the establishment of the entity that was called the Aviation Safety Investigation Board, uh, which is established by the chapter. Consequently, the full establishment of the Aviation Safety Investigation Board was never achieved. And to rectify this conundrum, the bill, uh, uh, the department uh, consulted with various bodies uh, to ensure that there is clarity of thought around how do we take uh, the promulgation of this chapter four forward. Chair, the bill was adopted by the portfolio committee uh, and was referred to the National Council of Province uh, on the 11th of May, 2021 for concurrence. Uh, the committee deliberated uh, on the on the on, on the on the received presentation, and uh, was uh, followed subsequently by uh, written submissions upon our invite uh, in the two national newspapers and other relevant media platforms. And on the fourth of November, the committee deliberated on the bill, and on the seventeenth of November, the committee uh, uh, finalized the. Uh, and process the submissions that we made. And on the 24th of November, 2021, the Civil Aviation Amendment Bill was adopted by the committee. And uh, uh, the committee unanimously agreed and recommended that the bill be presented to the House for approval as it was referred. 
I think what is quite key chair is uh, that has indicated the key to the bill is the investigation of aircraft accident as well as aircraft incidents. More than that, the bill seeks to identify safety deficiencies as evidenced by the aircraft accidents and incidents and make recommendations designed to eliminate or reduce any such deficiencies and report publicly on its investigation and findings. Therefore, the committee uh, so tabled the report to the House for adoption. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, I now put the question. The question is that the, the bill be agreed to. Uh, before I proceed voting, uh, I shall allow political parties the opportunity to make the declaration of votes in terms of Rule 63, if they so wish. Again, maximum time allowed for this purpose is three minutes. Thank you, Chairperson. Yes, uh, Apleni. Yes, thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, Chair, we live in a modernizing world where uh, the state takes practical legislative measures to tighten safety for air transport. Uh, the Civil Aviation Act was therefore by design intended to provide an independent entity which would investigate aviation accidents. This was, however, not done because the Act did not provide for the full spectrum of rights for the establishment of this entity. We therefore welcome the amendments made to eliminate legal uncertainties and for the establishment of the Avi Aviation Safety Investigation Board. At the establishment of the Aviation Safety Investigation Board will ensure that accidents are thoroughly investigated and action taken where it is discovered that these accidents uh, as, are as a result of negligence and poor training. Uh, the bill could have done more in imposing tougher penalties for negligence and purposeful disregard for aviation safety protocols. Nonetheless, the bill introduces an important amendment in relation to the role of the Civil Aviation Authority in environmental protection. Uh, we also welcome the amendment dealing with the pro prohibition of any employee of the Aviation Authority from working for any players involved in avi aviation while at the same time employed by the Aviation Authority. For there must be clear lines of uh, delineation between the Aviation Authority as a regulatory body and the industry upon which it must provide oversight. The EFF therefore supports the Civil Aviation Amendment Bill. Thank you very much. Apologies for the no, uh, thank video. Network thank, you. Is thank you very much. Any other uh, declaration? None. Uh, raise my hand. Yes. Uh, please indicate who's speaking. Uh, it's Dango speaking, Chairperson. Oh, Dango, yes. Chairperson, thank you very much. The civil aviation industry functions in South Africa on the best international practice. This is necessary as the civil aviation industry functions globally on the same international standards. The country has a civil aviation safety record 
which is second to none, and this must continue into the future. In order to maintain such world-class standards, the civil aviation industry, it is imperative that the legislation reflects the current global standards and changes that are being effected. Therefore, it is necessary to periodically amend the civil aviation legislation. The central aim of the amendment to the Civil Aviation Act seeks the establishment of the Civil Aviation Authority and the creation of the safety and security structures that govern the functioning of the civil aviation industry. The creation of the Civil Aviation Authority is geared towards creating an independent authority which is skilled and ensures that international safety standards and norms are enforced. The economic rationale for the legislation is to ensure that the civil aviation industry is able to optimally function as it makes a major contribution to the economy through the movement of freight and tourism industry. This in turn is a major source of job creation. The bill seeks to amend the act to ensure the implementation of legislation in terms of safety, security, and the investigation of aircraft incidents and accidents in the civil aviation act, uh, sector. The bill deals with the corporate governance issues directly and not through corporate governance plans, which means that those in the Civil Avi Aviation Authority with conflicts of interest will have to step down. In the past, the Civil Aviation Authority did not function within the PFMA, and the amendment seeks to, clarify, seeks to rectify this anomaly. It, is all, it also makes the authority preferred creditor, which places the structure in a financial advantage. It is important that the Civil Aviation Authority is supported as its revival in the context of the COVID-19 uh, is critical. The ANC supports the bill, Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Dango. Any other titillation? None. We shall therefore proceed uh, uh, 30 seconds uh, to delegates. We give 30 seconds to delegates who are outside of the chamber and visual platform to join us. Thank you very much. Uh, we will now proceed um, uh, to voting on the question. And the question is that the bill be agreed to. Uh, delegates in favor, they should please raise their hands and keep them there. Those who are Wish, wish, we wish to vote in favor. Okay. Uh, oh, everybody. Thank you very much, Mishodi. Chairperson and Honorable Mishodi vote in favor of the bill. Thank you. Yes, noted. Another person, no. 
I'm sure we've done counting those votes. Those who wish to vote against, none. Thank you very much. Those who are abstaining, none. I guess the counting is complete. We now await the results from the table. Chairperson? None. Were you not going to ask those on the platform to, 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 to indicate whether they are voting in favor or not? Sorry about that. No, but Chairperson, my point is this is the process, this is the, this is the procedure you have, you have been following. You, you had asked those in the House no, no. And I did, and I did, I did. But you are now disenfranchising all of those that are in the platform because we are now changing how we are how we are doing yeah. things. No, oh, that, sorry. That. sorry about that. Sorry about okay. that. The result are as follows: fourteen favor. Um, zero against and zero abstentions. Uh, the bill is therefore agreed to in terms of section 75 of the constitution. Thank you very much. We'll move to the next uh, order. Um, this is the sixth order of the day, consideration of the report uh, on, of, of Select Committee on Appropriations, uh, first and so on, quarter expenditure for the 2021 financial year by the Free State Houting, the Mpopom, Malanga, and Northwest Province Department of Agriculture, Rural Development on Comprehensive Agricultural Support Program Grant, uh, ILIMA and OLITIMA Project Grant and Lenke Program Grant, Poverty Relief and Infrastructure, Infrastructure Development dated the 26th of May uh, 2021. 20, I call on uh, uh, Honorable DG Mastangu. Chairperson of the Select Committee on Appropriation to present the committee report. Thank you, uh, Honorable Chairperson of the, of the NCOP, the Chief Whip of the NCOP, Date Mahai in Absentia. I know he's on the platform. Honorable members, permanent and special delegates present and fellow South Africans, good morning. It is my honor, Honorable Chairperson, and privilege to table before this August House a report on the expenditure and performance of the, of the Comprehensive Agriculture Support Program Grant, Ilima Lizima Project Grant, 
and the land care program grant poverty relief and infrastructure development on behalf of the select committee on appropriations in the national council of provinces the committee anonymously adopted the report while the da freedom front plus uh, and uh, EFF abstained. Honorable Chairperson and members, Section 4, Subsection B, I mean, sec Section 4, Subsection A, D, and E of the Money Bills and Related Matters Act 9 of 2009, as amended in 2018 mandates the committee to consider and report on spending issues, reports on, uh, reports on the statements on actual expenditure published by the National Treasury and any other related matter set out in the Act. These provisions read together with Section 32 of the Public Finance Management Act of 1 of 1999 as amended, and Section 16 of the Division of Revenue Act provides the framework of the legislative sector to play an oversight role over the executive. And that's what we think we're doing. Due to persistent under-expenditure and underperformance of the Comprehensive uh, Agricultural Support Program grant, Ilima Lichima project, project uh, grant and the land care program grant, poverty relief and infrastructure development in the 2020-2021 financial year. The committee conducted visual oversight in May 2021. Due to the time constraints, only free state, Gauteng, Mpumalanga and Northwest Provincial Departments of Agriculture were invited to report on the performance of these conditional grants and to provide to, hi to highlight uh, key challenges experienced and proposed interventions to prevent this in the upcoming financial years. During the oversight engagements, Honorable Chair, the National Treasury and the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development make inputs around the oversight role and support they made for provinces. Honorable Chairperson and members, while processing uh, these engagements, the committee has made the following observations and therefore came up with the recommendations for the improvement of the implementation of these uh, conditional grants. The committee acknowledged that there was an urgent need for government to implement lockdown regulations following the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic. However, it is of the view that the policy making process should at all material times take into account the effects of unintended consequences. 
in that policies or regulations should not inhibit the rollout of planned programs, particularly those that are meant to alleviate poverty and create infrastructure for sustainable food security. The committee understood the need for budget reprioritization and redirection of funds following the ad advent of COVID-19, which affected planned expenditure and created uncertainty. The committee is of the view that the National Treasury, provincial treasuries and affected provincial departments should proactively work together to prevent administrative policy uncertainty during emergency. The Minister of Finance, together with the, with the Cabinet, should ensure that proper plans and mechanisms are developed in advance to mitigate administrative challenges during disaster situations and further ensure that a reasonable amount of budget reserves, reserves um, are earmarked for unforeseen and unavoidable situations such as virus outbreaks and any other possible disasters. The committee strongly condemns under expenditure on conditional grants meant to alleviate poverty and create infrastructure to ensure sustainable food security. Provinces should use the available resources, such as medium-term projected budget estimates and the intergovernmental relations system to carry out their future planning cycles to prevent poor expenditure, while also making provision for unforeseen and unavoidable situation. The national treasurer and provincial treasuries, together with the provincial departments of agriculture, should see to it that adequate capacity, proper plans and remedial actions are developed to ensure that the land, that the land care grant expenditure is improved, given the constant degradation of agricultural land through various factors such as pollution, soil erosion, alien plants, and poor water preservation. Honorable Chairperson and honorable members, Moreover, effective, effective expenditure on these conditional grants should enable government, government to create much needed jobs in poor communities during the COVID-19 pandemic, while also building the much needed infrastructure for the sector. All five provinces that have reported under expenditure on the three agricultural conditional grants should develop clear remedial actions and ensure that these are implemented without delay. Given the importance and the need to improve support for rural communities. The committee is of the view that the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development, together with the provincial departments, should consider establishing a rural help desk program to assist rural communities. This should fast track administrative processes that would enable them to access funding more, rad more readily consider cap capacitating traditional authorities and councils to assist people to access this funding. 
and or consider seconding departmental officials to assist at the district level. Honorable Chairperson, the committee is of the view that there might be a need for a Depart Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development to launch an aggressive media campaign to motivate people to go back to cultivating the land to promote food security during this time. This may reduce the heavy reliance on social, grind, social grants, which is sustainable in the long term, given the magnitude of the growing government debts. The Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development should expedite the process of aligning the CRDP, which was developed and adopted by the fourth administration to address rural development with the Rural Development Policy Framework and other relevant programs. This was one of the best programs. The National Treasury, together with the provincial treasuries, should ensure that provinces have adequate systems and measures in place to deal with corruption and maladministration before it negatively affects expenditure in the for the most vulnerable communities. Furthermore, provincial departments should develop early warning systems, honorable chairperson. Consequence management is critical as set out in the Public Finance Management Act, as well as appropriate actions recommended by the Auditor General. As I conclude, Honorable Chairperson, let me take this opportunity to thank all committee members across party line, committee stakeholders who made submissions, as well as committee support staff and those uh, uh, departments from the provinces, without these role players, the process would not have been a, a success, not really forgetting the support staff. The committee recommends to the House that the, the report be adopted. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Masangu. Um, Thank you, Honorable Delegates, and I put the question. The question is that the report be, be adopted. But before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make the declaration of votes in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. Maximum time allocated for this purpose is three minutes. Any deterioration from any province? Yes. Western Cape. Honorable Chair, honorable members, this report discussed the underspending for the first and second quarter expenditure on comprehensive agriculture support program, the COSP, the ELIMA, or the ITSEMO grant, and the land care program by five of our provinces. What is of great concern were the huge amounts of underspending that we were presented with. Land reform and the way in which it should be implemented is certainly one of the most heated topics in our country. The success of land reform in South Africa should not be measured against the physical amount of farms or hectares that are redistributed. It must be measured against the long-term success 
of those farms and the farmers would receive the land. Being in the holiday season, it can be best described by using the example of giving your child a battery-operated car for Christmas. However, you only give him the car, you don't give them battery charger as well. Just as your child will be able to operate that car for a very short period, but in the long run it will be useless, so will be the success of those farmers who are not assisted with the means to farm successfully in the long run. It is extremely important that government must do everything in its power to ensure that land that is redistributed must be formed in a sustainable and successful way. This needs to be done in order to not only ensure that land reform will be successful, but also to ensure that it will be not jeopardized for food security as well as job security for a large number of people in South Africa. We can therefore not comprehend why these provinces did not make use of money available in order to achieve this long-term goal. This underspending and poor management again brings to mind the recommendations of the high-level panel read by former President Khalima Kante, who said that the failures of land reform was due to poor implementation of policy, corruption and a lack of urgency by this government. This report was compiled almost seven months ago, and although the DA agrees with the report as it, and its recommendations, it's very important that this select committee should not only make these recommendations, but that they should also follow up on the implementation thereof. For example, recommend that the report should be brought to the attention of the relevant premiers, provincial legislators, and the standing committees for their necessary interventions. Seeing that premiers are the responsible people for governance within their respective provinces, they must ask whether provinces have implemented these recommendations. And if they did not, there must be consequences for those premiers who did not put measures into place in order to implement the recommendations. I thank you. Thank you very much. Any other province wishing to put a declaration? Thank you. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, um, Honorable Chairperson, um, I rise to accept the report of the Select Committee on Appropriations, uh, which has conducted its uh, responsibility of scrutinizing conditional grant expenditure by the looking into expenditure by the, the aff affirmation five provinces of agriculture and rural development on the comprehensive agricultural support program grants. Uh, Ilima, Litsima projects grant and local uh, uh, care program. Chairperson, uh, these programs are part of the arsenal of the government of the African National Congress to resolve um, the challenges of landlessness, poverty, and hunger. They provide access uh, to finance for the farmers, uh, especially in benefic beneficiaries of the land restitution, redistribution, and uh, land tenure reform programs. Honorable Chairperson, when the ANC resolved at, this 50, at its 55th, 54th National Conference in 2017, to adopt a comprehensive resolution on land reform, uh, on land expropriation, 
without compensation. We could not have foreseen that the collision of the reactionary strange um, bad fellows in the form of the DA, Freedom Front Plus, and the EFF would come to, together in the National Assembly. In the National Assembly. Last week, last week, and they did in the various hang municipalities. They did in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the hang municipalities to block progress on the consultation, on the constitutional amendment on, on, on land reform. It is, it is significant to know that the intent of the policy is not, is not always followed by the implementation. members, order, order honorable members. As I've, I've, I've said over and over again in the past, that there's no harm in the little bit of heckling and so on. But as long as heckling does not drown the, the speaker. Now the opposition will get their time to, to respond. But not now, I'm still speaking, Chair. It is significant to know that the intention policy is not to always follow by implementation. As the committee, as the committee has observed, these conditional grants were among uh, those for which expenditure was below the uh, acceptable uh, norm of 25% per quarter. Chairperson, um, we support this bill. Thank you very much. Any other declaration? Point of order. Section 25, Honorable through you, Chair. It was the report. No, no, Chair. Thank you very much. We support. No, we support. We support the report, Chair. We support the report. Thank you very much. We will move on then to the next step. We shall now proceed to the voting on the question. And the question is that the report be, be adopted. Uh, and I'll call upon provinces to cast their votes. Uh, one call upon heads of delegation must indicate where they vote in favor, against, or abstain. Start with the Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape, yeah, it has a report. Support the report. Free State. Free State supports the report. Free State supports the report. Code Hauteng in support, Chairperson. Hauteng support the report. Bazulu Nata. support the report. Limpopo. Limpopo support the report, Chairperson. Limpopo support the report. Pumalanga. Pumalanga support. Pumalanga support the report. Thank you very much. Northern Cape. Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. Northern Cape support the report. Western Cape. Western Cape supports the report. Western Cape supports the, the report. Northwest. 
Bukwani wupiri mabai ya mukhela mulas tulo lema ya mukhela thank you very much uh voting is closed and uh, all nine provinces support the report and therefore the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the constitution it must be clear that the bill was rejected in the na We will now proceed to the seventh, eighth, and ninth orders of the day. And as, and as I do so, I'll ask Honorable uh, Nyambi uh, to come forward and 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 chair. I'll now call upon Honorable Tichi Masangu, co-chair of the Joint Standing Committee on Financial Management, to present the committee report. Mbongwe Baba. House Chairperson, Honorable Members, Chief Whip of the NCOP, Chairperson of the NCOP, fellow South Africans, Kyalidumedisa, Bahaez. Honorable Chair, it is an honor for me to table the report of the Joint Standing Committee on Financial Management of Parliament for both the third and fourth uh, quarter of 2020-2021 performance of Parliament of the Republic of South Africa in this August House. The Joint Standing Committee of the Financial Management of Parliament, the committee, is established as per the provision of the Financial Management of Parliament and Provincial Legislature Act number 10 of 2009. The PFMLA, the, the, the FMPLA, requires the executive authority of the parliament to table the parliament's performance in implementing the annual performance plan for each quarter of the consideration and reporting to reporting uh, of the committee. Indeed, Honorable Chairperson, the committee has fulfilled the aforesaid mandate by considering both third and fourth quarters of the parliament's performance in implementing its 2020-2021 APP and it, uh, it reports as follows. Honorable House Chair, it is important to first highlight that the two quarters report, which I am tabling here, 
We're still assessing the implement, implementation of the fifth parliament strategic plan. However, since the current financial year, which is 2021-2022, the parliament has started the implementation of the sixth parliament strategic plan. The reason I have, I have to emphasize that is because some of the issues the committee raised from both reports which no longer uh, will be relevant going forward due to the change in how the Sixth Parliament have organized and strived to achieve. Having said that, Honorable House Chair, for both quarters under review, the Parliament has performed fairly well. For the third quarter, the Parliament has exceptionally performed excellent. It recorded 87.5% performance, which was as a result of achieving seven planned performance targets out of eight planned performance targets. Whilst for the fourth quarter, it recorded 77%, which is lower than the third quarter. In terms of financial performance, Honorable House Chair, the Parliament spent 88.9% of its allocation budget for the third quarter, whilst it spent 67% for the fourth quarter. Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, the alignment between financial and non-financial performance, which Parliament has shown in these quarters, is indeed good financial management and good progress towards Pro, uh, prudent financial management. This is indeed uh, needed to be applauded. I have never seen it before. We've been complaining, but they did it. They do deserve that applaud. Despite the good performance recorded by Parliament Honorable House Chair, the committee has noted some corners, I mean, I mean some concerns, which includes, amongst others, the over-expenditure of compensation of, of uh, members during the fourth quarter of, uh, of, of this financial year by 9 million rands. This was further projected that by the end of the 2020-21 financial year, will be over, would, they will be overspending by 16 million rands. This overspending was due to the budget cuts of 30 a million six hundred and eighty-three thousand rands from October during the 2020 budget adjustment. It is against this background that the committee recommends that the executive authority of Parliament and the Minister of Finance should find an, a constructive solution to the budgetary challenges to ensure that Parliament is able to deliver on its constitutional mandate. Lastly, Honorable Chairperson, the committee is very concerned about the slow pace in filling of posts uh, in, uh, in critical areas to the leadership and functioning of the institution, specifically uh, that of the CFO, Chief Audit Executive, and Secretary of Parliament. Honorable Chairperson, there were pledges uh, for your indulgence, Honorable Chairperson, from the executive to expedite this process. I thank you.
your permission, Chairperson, please allow me to present before this August House once more the 2019-2020 annual report. Chairperson, I am once more honored to be here on behalf of this committee to present before you the 2019-2020 annual report of Parliament of the Republic of South Africa in this August House. The Joint Committee of the uh, Financial Management uh, of Parliament, the committee itself, is established as per the provision as indicated uh, previously. And we are, as a committee, uh, carrying out that mandate as expected. Indeed, Honorable Chairperson, the committee has fulfilled the aforesaid mandate. Honorable Chairperson, let me start to, by, by welcoming the unqualified outcomes with no material findings, which the parliament has sustained for the past six years, since 2013-14 financial years. This clean audit is accompanied by non-incurring and caring of material irregularities, which are irregular expenditure and unauthorized expenditure. In essence, for the entire fifth parliament, honorable chairperson, finances of parliament were managed prudently. The sixth parliament is still continuing with this sterling performance thus far. I hope this parliament will continue with this excellent performance throughout this administration. I say this, Honorable House Chairperson and Honorable Members, in mindful of the fact that this is the last report whereby the performance of the parliament is based on the fifth parliament strategic plan. Honorable uh, House Chair, for the 2019-2020 financial year, the parliament held discussions and debates and initiatives on the proposed reform, the NHI, the land redress as well as domestic and gender-based violence. Further, dis uh, dis further, despite the COVID-19 restrictions, which were imposed to, re to regulate the spread of COVID-19, the parliament has managed to hold the, ex the executive accountability as required by the constitution. In this, in this regard, both houses of parliament, that's the NA and the NCOP, produced a total of uh, 1,000 written questions which were put to the executive, of which 437 uh, oral questions were put to the executive, including questions to the president and deputy president. Moreover, about 756 meetings were held, um, were put to the president and the deputy president. Moreover, about 756 uh, uh, meetings were held by the committees uh, of parliament, both houses, and they were accompanied by 30 oversight visits con conducted throughout the 
2020 financial year, of which 237 reports were tabled as a result of this oversight visit, quarterly reports and budget votes related um, budget votes uh, uh, related matters. To achieve this, uh, Honorable uh, Chairperson, its conditional mandate uh, of passing laws for the 2019-2020 financial year, a total of 24 out of 43 bills that were before Parliament were processed. Further, eight section 139 interventions were made in different municipalities such as Dr. Ruth, Sehumuzi, District Municipality, JB Marks, Local Municipality, Fita, Komu, Tubazi, Local Municipality, and others. Honorable House Chairperson, there are challenges that we picked as far as uh, the performance of Parliament during the 2019-2020 financial year. Those challenges include, amongst others, unfavorable financial positions due to the medical aid contributions of members of parliament and provincial legislatures, which is the liability carried by parliament. This responsibility distorts parliament's baseline and negatively impacts on future allocations. Further, the perpetual uh, dwindling of the budget of parliament has led to the uh, to the reprioritization of the spending and targets. This has left other important activities and programs without adequate budget, and as such, could not be implemented. If this is not addressed sooner, Honorable Chairperson, it has a potential of threatening the ability of Parliament to execute its constitutional mandate. I thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Honorable Delegates. I now put the question in respect of the seventh order. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting in the seventh order, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make declaration of vote in terms of Rule 7.1, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the seventh order. Consideration of the report of the Joint Steering Committee on the Financial Management of Parliament on the Parliament of the Republic of South Africa. Its performance in quarter three, 2020-2021, as presented by Honorable T.G. Uh, Mashangu. I shall now call upon provinces to cast their vote do them in alphabetical order. The heads of delegates must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, yeah, has the report. Free State? Free State supports the report. Houting? Houting in support, chairperson. Wazulu Natal? Wazulu Natal, yes, Mpopo support the report, Chairperson. Mpumalanga? Mpumalanga support the report. Northern Cape? Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. 
Northwest. Northwest supporter Boche. Western Cape. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. Thank you, honorable uh, uh, members, honorable delegates. We now put the question in respect of the eight order. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting in the eight order, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make declaration of vote in terms of rule 71, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting. Consideration of the report of the Johnson Committee on Report on the Financial Management of Parliament of the Republic of South Africa's Performance Quarter 4, 2020-2021, dated 28 May 2021. I'll do it in alphabetical order. Heads of delegation, when called, indicate whether we vote in favor, abstain, or against. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape has a report. Free State? Free State supports the report. Thank you. Gauteng? Gauteng supports the report. Thank you. Kwazulu Natal? Kwazulu Natal, report. Thank you. Mama, Limpopo? Limpopo supports the report, Thank you. Mpumalanga? Mpumalanga supports the report. Thank you. Northern Cape? Northern Cape supports the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest. Thank you. Western Cape. Western Cape reports report eight and nine, sir. <laughs> Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in terms of section 65 of the constitution. Honorable delegates. I now put the question in respect of the ninth order. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting on the ninth order, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make declaration of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting in the ninth order, consideration of the report of the Joint Standing Committee on financial management of parliament of the Republic of South Africa 2019-2020 annual report dated the 28th of May 2021. I shall now call upon provinces to cast their votes. When call upon heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, I cast a report. Thank you. Free State? Free State supports the report. Thank you. Gauteng? Gauteng in support. Thank you. Guazulu Natal? Guazulu Natal, I can't say report. Thank you. Limpopo? Limpopo supports the report. Thank you. Pumalanga? Pumalanga supports the report. Thank you. Northern Cape? Northern Cape supports the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest. Thank you. Western Cape. Western Cape supports the report. 
Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable delegates will now proceed to the 10th order, consideration of the report of the Select Committee on Trade and Industry, Economic Development, Small Business Development, Tourism, Employment and Labor, jointly with the Portfolio Committee on Small Business Development, following a fact-finding mission to Wazulu Natal and Gauteng Province dated 19 August 2021. I now call upon Honorable Muyemang, Chairperson of the Select Committee on Transport, Public Service and Administration, Public Works and Infrastructure to present the committee report. Honorable Muyemang. Uh, thank you, thank you, Vice Chair. Uh, allow me to, to again, uh, uh, take the podium. Uh, the <clears throat> The uh, select committee, uh, together with its sister uh, committee, uh, trade and industry and public works, joined the portfolio committee on small business uh, on its uh, uh, oversight visit to both Kwasun uh, Natal and Hauteng between the period of the 3rd and the 6th of August 2021. Uh, the background chair, I believe, is well articulated and well known uh, by virtue of uh, the, the, uh, the unrest that uh, uh, sprang up in uh, both provinces uh, following uh, the incarceration of the former president. Uh, <clears throat> What, what is key is the objective chair, that's what the report covers. The objective of the report was uh, the evaluation of the uh, extent to which uh, uh, the uh, supply chain was throttled and also the damage to property and, to the, and the degree and the extent to which uh, uh, business uh, was disrupted. Uh, in KwaZulu Natal, a number of uh, areas were visited, the key. Central District, Utlatuze, uh, Nzeleni Township, and Welesan Township and is coming, including also the uh, the Ileme uh, District Municipality, uh, uh, and also the Etekwini and Shagaskral uh, in Kwadukusa. In 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 Chair. Uh, areas that were visited included the visit to Ekulene uh, Metropolitan, the Cambridge Centre, and Tembisa Plaza, uh, including the side visits to the city of Johannesburg, the Jewel Street, Malvern, Pan Africa Mall in Alexander Township, Jabulan Mall in Soweto, Cape Town, and also A2 Orange Farm Mall and Palm Spring Mall. What did the committee observe in terms of the report? Uh, it's, uh, in the report, uh, uh, from 5.1 up to 5.10, uh, uh, it kept us the observation, the observation uh, that the committee uh, uh, made. And as a result of those uh, observations, uh, there are 
recommendations that uh, this committee is tabling before this house. And the recommendation are as follows. 6.1, that the Department of Small Business Development through its entities, CIDA and CIFA, should embark on collaborative efforts with SASRIA to intensify financial literacy campaigns targeting small business and informal traders. Two, based on the evidence or information committees gathered on the ground uh, around the magnitude of the destruction, uh, the allocation of 2.3 billion is welcome but not adequate. So therefore, it's important that uh, they continue to be further engagement with the department to mitigate this situation. The third recommendation that we are making to the House based on the observations that uh, uh, the committee is concerned that the debt relief finance scheme uptake to assist the sector moderate, moderate the impacts of COVID pandemic was not uh, adequate. And therefore, the department and its agency have not interrogated factors that account for the small uptake. Fourth, the committee recognized that most informal traders are not exposed or lack knowledge and competence required to apply for government grants. Hence, it becomes necessary for government to find remedies. Fourth, the department should concretize and lead measures to improve relationship between the shopping centers for other informal traders so that uh, there is that uh, continued engagement, but really around the possible benefits from the use of public private partnership platform. Six point that the department must give a serious consideration to the statement of the shared economic infrastructure facility, which will address a number of infrastructure-related complaints. The seventh, uh, uh, the common uh, theme echoed throughout the visit related to the, uh, the situation of the trading premises, illegal traders going through trading space without paying rent, or having a license, so therefore this matter has to be addressed. Uh, the, the eighth point is that the business confidence index in the country is at all-time low following violent unrest. So the sector feels that sees the trade that when these attacks occurred, they were not adequately protected. Committee is of view is of the view that they need to regain a, a, a program that will instill confidence in this business sector. The last point is that the registration and licensing of business is a matter that has confronted the committee since its inception. And uh, it therefore becomes important that a follow-up be made in terms of recommendations that emanate from the xenophobic attack both in 2008 and 2015, which among others dealt with the regulation of small business in the country and the issuance of trading permits and business license to foreigners which is a major source of conflict and therefore needs policy response. In Alexander, this grievance was emphasized. So uh, the department must accelerate in the process of reviewing the business act or table a new bill before the end of the current financial year uh, as pledged by the department in its annual performance plan. So I table the report for adoption chair. Thank you. Thank you, honorable delegates. I now put the question, the question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make declaration of vote in terms of rule 7-1, if they so wish. Western Cape. Honorable Chair, when business owners and retailers did their forecast for July 21, little did they know the horror that awaited them. 
The country was awash with rumors as to the potential fallout after the possible arrest of former President Jacob Zuma. As citizens and business owners puzzled over this uncertainty that this government did absolutely nothing despite the array of intelligence and security services available to them. South Africa's largest civil unrest since the apartheid regime began on July 821, when former President Zuma began serving what was to be his 15th month jail sentence for contempt of court at Escort Correctional Center. The protest first broke out in KZN, with demonstrators calling for his release. The riots spread throughout the province and led to hurting residents also taking to the streets in support of the hashtag Free Jacob Zuma campaign. These demonstrations quickly involved widespread looting and vandalism. The unrest lasted for eight days and left at least 215 people dead. The South African Property Owners Association evaluated that the unrest cost South Africa's national economy 50 billion. KwaZulu-Natal lost 20 billion, while Gauteng's economy took a 3.5 billion dent. Gauteng saw 30 shopping malls sacked, while KZN reported 150. In the immediate aftermath, Sastria were overwhelmed and have to date received 14,051 claims valued at 32 billion. Five months later, despite the assistance of Treasury, only 12.6 billion had been paid out by 15 November, some four months after the unrest. In that time, many businesses have gone under and thousands of employees have been left in the lurch. And all as a result of an ANC factional battle that spilled out into the streets of our beloved country. And what accountability. In July, Minister of Police Becky Chelly boasted to the media that 12 instigators had been identified and would be charged and named shortly. Five months later, all we are aware of is an obscure gent from the West Rand of Johannesburg and an equally obscure DJ from KZN. This despite the fact that the Zuma children, Edward Duduzan and Duduzili, openly encouraged looting and maim on social media. This excludes the wealth of evidence collated by the SSA on these and other culprits. The promise to track down everybody involved, including the Zuma progeny, was repeated by the acting minister in the presidency, Kumbutsu Nchaveni in August. Since then, radio silence and all queries are referred to the man in the hat who displayed his ineptitude when the chips were down. The ANC always go out on accountability, but turn a blind eye when those within the golden circle of influence are implicated. While the GI supports this report and the work of this committee, South Africans should never forget who started this madness and we should sort it out. Thank you. Thank you. Any other province? Thank Your you. Chairperson, yes. Okay, Gauteng, Ambassador. Chairperson, the July unrest has had a devastating impact on businesses, industry, infrastructure, and our economy. It gave us a rude awakening of what lies ahead should we not respond to the structural challenges of unemployment, poverty, and inequality. We witnessed the destructions of businesses and livelihoods, as well as the loss of life. The impact of this unrest will be felt for the longest time. We need to strengthen our law enforcement to capacitate them to be proactive and preemptively respond to any threats of sabotage and violence that lay and, and be fueled by whatever cause. We, however, wish to applaud them for the swift response 
that they undertook to quell the violence, we call upon the National Prosecuting Authority to work with the South African Police Service to be thorough in its investigations and to hold the perpetrators of this economic sabotage to account. The oversight visits to KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng has given first-hand experience of the practical effects of the unrest within the short period. Thousands of people lost their jobs. The total damage caused to infrastructure and businesses sits at about 50 billion. The most disheartening is the loss of livelihoods of informal traders who may not be able to get financial support that formal business has obtained from government and its development financing institutions. Livelihoods have been adversely affected. It is estimated that each person that has been employed supported six to seven people in their own family. The extent of loss is therefore significantly greater than the number of jobs lost. We should never allow this to happen again. We welcome the implementation of the post-unrest business recovery and unemployment that was done, which allocated more than 1.5 billion to businesses affected in the unrest. This has assisted many businesses to start trading again, although not at optimal levels. These are critical interventions, which we appreciate from the ANC-led government. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Tango. We shall now proceed to voting on the question. And the question is that the report be adopted. I now call upon provinces to cast their vote. When called upon heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, yeah, I pass a report. Thank you. Free State? Free State supports the report. Thank you. Gauteng? Gauteng in support of the report, Chairperson. Thank you. Wazulu Natal? It was Zulu Natal, yes, report, Baba. Thank you, Mama. Impopo? Impopo support the report. Thank you. Umalanga? Umalanga support the report. Thank you. Northern Cape? Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest? Northwest support the report, Chair. Thank you. Western Cape? Western Cape supports the report. Thank you. What is now, voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable delegates, we will now proceed to the 11th order, consideration of the special joint oversight visit report to Wazulu Natal. Select Committee on Land Reform, Environment, Mineral Resources, and Energy, and the Portfolio Committee on Agriculture, Land Reform, and Rural Development. Uh, I'll now call upon Honorable Modise, Chairperson of the Select Committee on Land Reform, Environment, Mineral Resources, and Energy, to present the committee report. Honorable Modise. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Honorable House Chairperson. Uh, it was on the 9th of August when the Select Committee, together with the Portfolio Committee on 
land reform, rural development, agriculture, and mineral and energy visited to KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, during that time, the, fair, the country has, in the second week of July 2021, 2020, experienced unprecedented level of unrest and destruction of public and pri uh, private property. Coupled with the violence and looting of the public uh, private property, despite the fact that this act of violence started in KwaZulu-Natal and spread to part of Gauteng. They have a socio-economic impact through the country. The unrest which involved violence, protest, looting, has a negative consequences for some farmers and uh, agribusiness. Therefore, the committee, the objective of the committee to visit KwaZulu-Natal, uh, it was to ascertain the extent to which the unrest has impacted on agricultural and agro-processing value chain, agro-logistics, and damage of relevant infrastructure. Assess the impact of unrest on the agricultural supply chain and food availability. Assess the impact of the unrest on current and future employment in agriculture and agro-processing sector. Assessing a government response on the plans to address the result in impact and relevant infrastructure damaged. Identify strength and weakness as well as the complicity among the different spheres of government, including the implication of policy intervention. During that, that time, the delegation make um, observations. The committee delegation made the following observation during the oversight visit. Lack of agency as on part of the provincial department as four weeks after the unrest, the district reported that they have submitted the report of in the impact of the unrest, including the requirements intervention to the provincial department, which has highlighted budgetary constraint despite the declaration of the state of disaster in the province on the 29th of July, 2021. The slow pace of intervention and lack of licensing and direct communication with the affected farmers by the district the, while they are waiting for the decision from the, their principal. Appreciation of the Ilimbembe district that has timely distributed all availability uh, production inputs to the intent 
household for one hectare, one household food security program. While it, it is also reported that the province with a specific few figure of how the district will need to assist affected farmers across, across all the commodities. With the expedition, expect, exception of lead how sugar meal, minimal or no specific role in play is played by the other sugar, sugar meal milling company in assisting small-scale growers for the coming planting season, while others are waiting for government intervention. In addition, no other avenue has been explored by millies on use of sugarcane, those quality and deteriorated processing in order to assist small-scale uh, farmers. The committee make the recommendation to ensure that the Kozulu Natala Department of Agriculture Rural Development made use of the opportunity that is avail availed by the declaration of the state disaster in the province to make budgetary adjustment in order to fast track assisting to affect the farmers in the province, particularly small farmers, including those who have been visited uh, by the delegation, namely Makumbo, Idwala, and Siamudumi Safam. Ensure that KwaZulu Natal Province, Depart a Provincial Department of Agriculture and Rural Development, develop an action plan with specific detail and timely on how affected farmers will be assisted in the immediate term in the future to save livelihood and prevent further job losses. Engage with the Ministry of Trade and Industry and Cooperation to address the slow pace of transformation and require legislation revived in the sugar cane and sugar milling sector, including discussion on the implementation of the sugar master plan that is meant to address some of the challenges. In investigate the plight of the 160 hectare farmers that was handed over by the Department of uh, Rural Development for the land redistribution by the Chase Farmers in 2013 near Eshowe in your District Municipality and submitted the report to Parliament. Training and support of small-scale sugarcane farmers in improving the sugarcane quality, while RF farm through option field and water management practice to increase changes, chance of accepting for milling. Increasing allocation and flexibility of delivery of sugarcane is needed for small-scale sugarcane grower. 
Small scale farmers should be educated on the benefit of creating a joint cooperative for delivery to the mill, of which can be important to reduce cost of inputs through bulk buying and field management operation and reduce reliance of a contractor for harvesting and transporting. Explored other value adding of sugarcane, a part of sugar production to enable for cane to, that doesn't meant milling quality to be used for production or other production, such as as fertilizer production and animal feed. Therefore, the joint committee requested the house to support this uh, report. I thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Modise. Honorable Delegates, I now put the question. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make declaration of vote in terms of rule 71, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the question, and the question is that the report be adopted. I'll now call upon provinces to cast their vote. When called upon, heads of delegation will indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, yeah, I cast a report. Thank you. Free State? Free State supports the report. Thank you. Gauteng? <laughs> Thank you. Wazulu Natal? It was report, Baba. Thank you, Mama. Lipopo. Limpopo. Limpopo support the report. Thank you. Bumalanga. Pumalanga support the report. Thank you. Northern Cape? Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest? Northwest support the report, Chair. Thank you. Western Cape? Western Cape supports the report. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. On Thank you. Honorable delegates, we shall now proceed to the 12th order. Consideration of the report of the Select Committee on Security and Justice. Oversight in terms of mitigating the impact of COVID-19 pandemic and the recent public violence, looting, and destruction of property with a particular focus on Guazulu-Natal region and the oversight visit to Umzindo Correctional Center in Guazulu-Natal province on the 19th of August uh, 2021, dated the 1st of September 2021. I now call upon Honorable Shaikh, Chairperson of the Select Committee on Security and Justice, to present the report. 
thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson, and greetings to honorable members. Uh, honorable Chairperson, the Select Committee on Security and Justice conducted oversight in the KwaZulu-Natal province from the 13th to the 19th of August 2021 under the council theme of mitigating the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and the recent public violence, looting and destruction of property during the civil unrest over the period of over the period 9 to 18 July 2021. The committee met with the South African Police Services and the KZN MEC of the Department of Transport, Community and Liaison, the Independent Police Investigative Directorate, the National Prosecuting Authority, and the Department of Correctional Services, and visited the Umzinto Correctional Center where a fire broke out and there was infrastructure damage. Honorable Chairperson, the details of the briefings, the challenges identified by departments and entities, and the committee observations are contained in the committee report. However, House Chair, with regard to the South African Police Services, the committee recommendations include that the SAPS, in addition to ensuring that it has adequate resources in the future to address any event of this magnitude should improve its public order policing capacity within the province and ensure effective training to all public order policing members. SAPS should ensure that police stations are sufficiently resourced and that effective training is rolled out to police officers at police stations. SAPS should strengthen its relationship with CPFs, community policing forums, to ensure effective cooperation in crime-fighting efforts within communities. SAPS should furnish the committee with, firstly, the report on the investigation into the stolen ammunition being conducted by the Directorate for Priority Crime Investigation and the detailed report after conclusion of its investigations into the unrest within the two provinces. SAP should continue to strengthen its working relationship with the National Prosecuting Authority and with the JCPS cluster as a whole. The KwaZulu-Natal MEC should ensure that the Peace Committee operates effectively to restore social cohesion within communities affected by the unrest. Honorable Chairperson, with regard to the Independent Police Investigative Directorate, the committee recommendations include that IPED should work closely with SAPS and the Department of Health to address the delays in forensics. IPED should communicate with SAPS and the NPA to address any challenges in relation to the investigation of cases. IPED should, upon conclusion of its investigations, furnish the committee with an updated report on the recommendations made by IPED and the actions undertaken in respect thereof. The committee encouraged IPED to work closely with the relevant departments within the JCPS cluster to strengthen and foster relationships and ensure the successes of their investigations. Honorable Chairperson, with regard to the National Prosecuting Authority, the committee recommendations included that the NPA provides the committee with an update on the restorative justice cases upon finalization and any additional information through trials, guilty pleas, and fines. The NPA conducts continuous follow-ups with SAPS in respect of cases that have been struck off the court roll in order to ensure effective analysis and to address any gaps or challenges in respect of investigations. 
the Department of Justice has identified the need to increase engagement and coordination between SAPS, Department of Justice, and the NPA district levels to deal with operational challenges. The committee recommended that the NPA furnishes the committee with an update on these engagements moving forward. The committee encouraged the NPA to continue to strengthen its working relationship with other departments within the JCPS cluster. Honorable Chairperson, with regard to uh, DCS and inspection of the damage to the Umzindu Correctional Facility, the committee recommends that the, that the Department of Correctional Services provides the committee with a detailed report with clear recommendations after it has completed its investigations into the incidents which occurred at Umzintu Correctional Center. Furthermore, the committee required a report pertaining to the death of a female correctional officer at Lukop Correctional Center to be furnished to the committee. Honorable Chairperson, in general, with regard to the COVID-19 and vaccination programs, the committee encouraged all departments to continue to implement programs aimed at raising awareness regarding the importance of COVID-19 vaccinations and to continue to implement the vaccination programs. Honorable Chairperson, the report is adopted by the Select Committee on Security and Justice was ATC'd on the 1st of September, 2021, and we recommend that the House adopts the report. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Delegates. I now put the question. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces to make uh, take the opportunity to make their declaration of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. Western Cape. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Um, honorable members, we welcome this report. However, it must be said that the riots had its or origin in the ANC internal factionalism. Furthermore, it is a consequence of the ANC's failure the members confess too much. Furthermore, it is a consequence of the ANC's failure to ensure a properly funded, functioning and capacitated security cluster that has allowed this to happen in the first place. The public should therefore not give the ANC credit for its efforts to demand through Parliament an improvement, but it should rather ask why the ANC did not ensure these things are in place over the 27 years that it has been in government. The fact is, Honorable Deputy Chair or House Chair, that the underlying issues have not gone away. In all honesty, since the local government elections of 2021 results, things have gotten worse for the ANC, especially in KZN. What will happen next time there is an attempted insurrection? Will we be better prepared? Unlikely if one looks at the various security cluster departments playing the blame game rather than introspecting for improvement. The lion's share of the blame can therefore be put squarely at the feet of the ANC. We support the report. Thank you. Pumalanga. Uh, Thank you very much. On your right. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, House Chair. Uh, 
I don't know what is happening because seemingly we are having a person who's representing the ANC here whilst we are here. It's unfortunate. Honorable Chair, greetings to your good self, members uh, of the House, fellow South Africans. We rise to support the report of the Select Committee on Security and Justice on its oversight terms and mitigating the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and the public violence, looting and destruction of property with a particular focus on the Guazulu-Natal province and oversight visit to the Umzinto Correctional Center in Guazulu-Natal province on 19 August 2021. Honorable Chairperson, in line with the oversight duties, the Select Committee of Security and Justice conducted an oversight week under the theme under the council theme of mitigating the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and the public violence, looting and destruction of property during the recent civil unrest over the period of uh, 9 to 18 July 2021. The committee in collaboration with the Select Committee on Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs focused in its attention on the Wazulu Natal province. The committee met with the following ministries and departments. There was the National Executive and Guazulu Natal Provincial Executive Authority. The committee visited and inspected the damage to the Omzinto Correctional Facility. The committee received a briefing by the National Prosecuting Authority. The committee also received a, a briefing by the Independent Police Investigating Directorate. The committee was also briefed on each department's policy in place to cap the COVID-19 pandemic. The committee noted that the SAPS is engaging the National Prosecuting Authority regarding the casing, cases awaiting decisions and are working on the matter. The committee also noted that a peace committee had been established and that the Department of Police was working within a six-month period timeframe to identify programs to integrate those communities. Uh, the committee noted the commitment um, of the SAPS regarding stolen ammunition, which is being investigated by the Directorate for Priority Crime Investigation. The committee also made a number of uh, recommendations regarding the Department of Correctional Services. One, the committee emphasized the need for greater emphasis on social cohesion to ensure partnership and ownership so that everyone has the necessary capacity to address in any future challenges. The progress made by the Wazulu Natal Division on the vaccination of inmates, we stood at 79,338, uh, that is 63%. Honorable Chair, as the President has characterized gender-based violence as the second pandemic, the committee emphasized the need for the department to put measures in place when it comes to the safety of the female officers as they were under attack. In conclusion, as we work towards the vision of the National Development Plan, in particular outcome three, the committee recommends that the SAPS 
should continue to strengthen its working relationship with the NPA and with the JCPS cluster as a whole. Pumalanga province supports the report. I thank you, Chair. Thank you. We shall now proceed to voting on the question, and the question is that the report be adopted. I'll now call upon the provinces to cast their vote. When uh, called upon heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, abstain, or against. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape has a report. Thank you. Free State? Free State supports the report. Thank you. Salting? Salting in support of the report. Thank you. Wazulunatan? Thank you, Mama. Limpopo? Limpopo support the report, Chairperson. Thank you. Mpumalanga? Mpumalanga support the report. Thank you. Northern Cape? Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest? Northwest support the report, Chair. Thank you. Western Cape? Western Cape support the report. Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable Delegates, we'll now proceed to the 13th and the 14th orders consideration of the annual report of the Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence for the financial year ending 31st of March 2020, including the period up to December 2020, and consideration of the annual report of the Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence for the financial year ending the 31st of March 2020. I now call upon Honorable Member of the Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence to present the report. Honorable members, uh, you can grab on the right, on the other side, on my left, there is uh, some tea for this cold weather. <laughs> Honorable Miemang. Uh, again, let me express my gratitude to the to the uh, platform uh, accorded to me by the esteemed House Chair. Chair, <clears throat> allow me on behalf of the Transitioning Committee uh, on Intelligence to table before this August House uh, today the, the, uh, the Transitioning Committee's annual report for financial year ending the 31st of March 2020, including the period uh, up to December 2020 to the National Council of Province. Chair, the uh, report is tabled in accordance with uh, the Section 6 of the Oversight Act, which states that the committee shall within five months after its first appointment and thereafter within two months after the 31st of March in each year table in Parliament a report on the activities of the committee 
during the preceding year together uh, together with its finding made by it and the recommendation it deems appropriate and provide a copy thereof to the president and the minister responsible for each services. Chair, the uh, a table of the uh, contents of the report uh, as ATC covers uh, 10 areas with its annexures. Uh, uh, the the uh, introduction part, Chair, uh, deals with the with the establishment of the committee in terms of uh, Section 2 of the Intelligence Oversight Act. And its primary mandate is well articulated uh, uh, as uh, to exercise oversight over the intelligence and counterintelligence functions of the services, including the State Security Agency, the Defense Intelligence, and also the Crime Intelligence. <clears throat> the, the report raises uh, the uh, raises the commencement of the work of the committee at the 30th of October 2019, uh, following its composition and constitution. Uh, after undergoing after members of the committee underwent uh, a, a top uh, a fitting and uh, uh, acquiring top clearance. Uh, clearance indicate which is a statutory requirement. So in terms of the membership of the report, uh, uh, it is captured on page two of, uh, of the report and how it is constituted. Uh, uh, the A has nine seats, the A has three seats, the EFF one seats. <clears throat> and uh, all this uh, uh, is the members from both houses. Uh, what, what is also quite, quite critical chair is that uh, this uh, composition is followed up uh, by the uh, legislative mandate and also then uh, the activities in the reporting year. Uh, the first part that the chair has alluded uh, to uh, deals with uh, the uh, number of activities commencing with the orientation of members where briefing was received from all the agencies. Uh, and we, we must report share uh, that uh, uh, this report that we are presenting before, before the House, uh, we, are, we are presenting it uh, 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 informed by the impact that uh, uh, the COVID pa pandemic uh, had on the, the workings of the committee, which explains why this report uh, uh, in the National Assembly was tabled on the 20th of November and in the National Council of Province we are tabling it today. So what is quite critical is just to re-emphasize the fact that uh, uh, we are tabling it after delays due to COVID, Similarly, with the with the, with the financial with the financial report, what is also quite critical, Chairperson, uh, uh, reporting uh, outside the initial five 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 uh, months period, are the activities that the committee embarked upon, commencing with the with the, the committee meetings where the committee had uh, fourteen meetings that were held, uh, both in uh, Pretoria and also in in Parliament, but also specialized meeting. 
uh, in Pretoria, where the committee received uh, uh, the uh, uh, APP from the Inspector General of Intelligence, uh, the uh, APP from the state security agencies, and also a briefing on the threats posed by the insurgency in Cabo Delgado, Mozambique. But more than that, the work that is done by uh, the Audit and Risk Committee uh, in terms of improving a corporate governance of the state security agency. But it's also quite critical is the briefing that the committee received uh, on the update on Project VESA, which has been thoroughly uh, canvassed in the public space. But beyond that, also chair the interaction with the staff council uh, and also the briefing by the by the crime intelligence. Uh, but more than that, chair, I think what is quite critical is the report and the briefing that we received from the Auditor General of South Africa on the audited financial statement of the State Security Agency, on the audited financial statement of the crime intelligence, and on the audited financial statement of the uh, uh, Inspector General and the Defense Intelligence. So it is important also just last year to also uh, make a reflection that the report covers certificates of activities of the offices of the OIGI, the Office of the Inspector General of Intelligence, uh, upon the work that it, it, it does uh, on a state security agency, on the crime intelligence, and on the defense intelligence. Like I said, indicated, there are a number of findings uh, that the committee has made, uh, one in terms of the implementation of the high-level review panel implementation uh, around the certificate of intelligence, uh, the challenges that that, that that we are raising around the white paper on intelligence, which has to be reviewed, uh, and also uh, the stability, particularly at the level of uh, senior management in uh, the state security agency department, but also threats around uh, the incomplete work of Project VESA. They need to ensure that uh, dispute resolution mechanism are dealt with so that we are then able to ensure that there is stability. But beyond that, I think what is quite critical are recommendations that uh, the committee is making uh, on page uh, 27 uh, and all that, that are captured. And uh, lastly, Chair, uh, as I indicated, that uh, for the ease of reference of members, there are also annexures uh, that speaks to the report on the interception of private communications, the report on the Auditor General to Parliament, on all those agencies. Uh, I thank you, Chair. I table the report for adoption. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Wang. Honorable Delegates, I now put the question. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting on the 13th order, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make their declaration of vote in terms of Rule 7.1, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the 13th order, consideration of the annual report on, of the Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence for the financial year ending 31st of March 2020, including the period up to December 2020. I shall now call upon provinces to cast their vote when called upon heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, abstain, or against. Eastern Cape? Mr. Cape, yeah, yes, I report. Thank you. Free State.
Heritage support the report. Thank you. Houteng? Houteng in support of the report, Chairperson. Thank you. Wazulu Natal? Iguazulu Natal, I pass PDSA, start the report. Baba. Thank you, Mama. Limpopo? Limpopo, I am a report. Thank you. Pumalanga? Pumalanga support the report. Thank you. Northern Cape? Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you. Northwest? Northwest, I am a Thank you. Western Cape? Western Cape supports the report. Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable uh, delegates, I'll now put the question. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting on the 14th order, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make their declaration of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the 14th order consideration of the annual report of the Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence for the financial year ending 31st of March 2020, including the period up to December 2020. I'll now call upon provinces to cast their vote when called upon heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, abstain, or against. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, I am telling a report. Thank you. Free State? Free State support the report. Thank you. Houteng? Houteng in support of the report. Thank you. Wazulu Natal? Wazulu Natal, I my report start. Thank you. Limpopo? Limpopo, I take report in. Thank you. Pumalanga? Pumalanga support the report. Thank you. Northern Cape? Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chief. Thank you. Northwest? Thank you. Western Cape? Supports the report. Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable delegates will now proceed to the 15th and 16th orders consideration of delegation reports adopted by the Parliamentary Group on International Relations, PGIR, on the 14th of May, 2021, and consideration of the report of the South African Parliamentary Delegation on the virtual attendance of parliamentary leadership for the 2030 Agenda Webinar Series, Climate Leadership, Preparation for COP26, 22nd of March, 2021. I call upon Honorable Nguenya, House Chairperson, Member Support and International Relations to present the committee report. Mama, Honorable Nguenya, House Chairperson. Thanks, uh, House Chairperson. Chairperson and Deputy Chair of the NSOP, 
House Chairperson Honorable Nyambi, Chief Whip of the NSOP Honorable Muhai, Permanent and Special Delegate to the NSOP, ladies and gentlemen, all protocol observe. I raise to table a report for the consideration by the House of for adoption. The report is about the South Africa Parliament delegation, which attend a visual meeting on parliamentary leadership for the 2030 Agenda Webinar Syria on climate leadership. The visual meeting took place on the 22 March 2021 and in purpose was to prepare for the United National COP26 Conference on Climate Change, <coughs> which took place recently in Glasgow, Scotland, from 31 October 20 to 14 November 2021. Honorable House Chair, we are meeting today at the very benefited time. You'll remember that yesterday, on the 13th December, we, may, we marked the 31 year since the return to South Africa of the late former president of the African National Congress, Oliver Tambo. President Tambo returned to South Africa on 13 November 1990 after he went to exile near for, for, uh, year for 30, 30 years, for 30 years. Honorable members, you'll agree with me that President Tambo, because a link between the oppressed, oppressed masses of our people and democracy, as well as peace-loving people of the world, in essence, our public diplomacy was shaped by President O.R., who sought and maintained international support for our struggle through the world. On Honorable House Chair, participation in the Weber activists on climate leadership, e Parliament later. Lizama Ugututu Ugu Kutaza, Ganyan Owenza, Lula, Ugakiwa, Quizin, Quizin, Taga, Zogubusa, Gentando Yeni, Uguze Guakiwe, Ubu Seluane, Obuno, Obu Sagani, Nobu Sagani, as in Dabeni, as in Sikelen, Efanele, Ganyan Ugu Kutaza. Umkomo, Ugusechenziswa, Pagati Wezizwe, Zobu Bangi, Ngoku Hambisana, Nezin Selelu, Pagati, Wamazwe, Umklab, Igakulu, Namazwe, Asatutuga, Chigelele. To this end, our parliament has enhanced its international participation to include a broad set of, of platforms that it discuss a wide array of challenges facing the, the global. 
the, the participation of our parliament delegation on the visual meeting on the 22nd March, which uh, presided the COP26 had confirmed our willingness to deepen engagement in international forum. I therefore wish to underscore that our international relation engagement seek to address the tribe challenges of poverty, unemployment, and equity as identified in the National Development Plan, Vision 2030. In this regard, parliamentary have the responsibility to protect their citizens from the threats of climate change to ensure a sustainable future. Honorable House Chairperson, our parliament state sending and participating in the United Nations Conference on Climate Change since November 2009, when COP15 was held in Denmark in Copenhagen. And since 2009, our parliament has been consistent in attending the United Nations Climate Change Conference, which is held annually. According to the report of our parliamentary delegation, climate change poses one of the greatest challenges to South Africa, especially in terms of the efforts needs to arrest it by reducing emission and adapting to its impact. This report indicates that talking climate change has far-reaching implementation for sexual economic development for production and co-subsection partners and hence for employment and income levels and poverty reduction. Ngia vumelana numbigo uma uti iningizimu Afrika iiki ninje ngokuba Honorable members during a Weber a meeting held in March. Uh, whose focus was on climate leadership and preparing for COP26. It was mentioned that it is critical that the government and legislature in their respective countries around the world should now focus on climate change and delivery. Parliament play a crucial role in designing and adopting the necessary policies and laws and holding government accountable for delivery on the plans agreement. Its aims are to keep the rise in the global average temperature to well below two degrees about pre-industrial levels. It also adopted a bottom-up approach where countries themselves decided by, by now much they will reduce their emission 
by a centenaire the key role in approving laws and budgets are important in addressing the climate crisis. Honorable members, following the attendance and participation of our parliamentary delegation to the Weber, the delegation has produced a report which enhances the role parliament in climate as an oversight body to the ex execute the delegation made the following recommendation. The parliament should establish a formal structure for oversight climate change action undertaken by the ex execute branch of government in parliament, give the cross-cutting nature of climate change alternative and independent body of expected can be established outside the executive and parliament to oversee climate action and advise successful and cost effectively undertaken destruction to a low carbon economy by 2050. The National Climate Change Bill provide an unity opportunity to formalize the establishment of the such structures. I might be appropriate for South Africa to learn from the rationally and function, function of the decision colors of the climate change whose instruction to a lower carbon society can be done in a cost-effective manner in order to obtain very low uh, greenhouse gas emission while maintaining welfare and development. There is also an opportunity for us to draw from the UK as Climate Change Committee, which is an independent statutory body establishing under the Climate Change Act 2008. It aimed to advise the UK and develop the government a motion target and the report to Parliament on progress made in reducing greenhouse gas emission and preparing our and adapting to the impact of the climate change. The Parliament delegation has made an over observation that the current oversight of the climate action in government is not effective. There is a need to strengthen our oversight role in climate action in government. Honorable members, as I have indicated in my introduction, the purpose of this webinar meeting was to prepare and assist our parliament delegation that had to attend the COP26 climate change conference in November 2021. Amongst the parliamentary delegation that formed part for COP26 from the NSOP, we were represented by House Chairperson Honorable Nyambi and Honorable Mudise, who is the chairperson of the Select Committee of Land Reform, Environment, Mineral Resource and Energy. The recommendation made by the March webinar 
on the climate change leadership have indeed empowered and capacitated our parliamentary delegation to make a sound and a meaningful contribution during the process proceeding of COP26 on climate change. In concluding, House Chair, in, it is important to mention that <clears throat> That delegation report that I am tabling to this house has already been tabled to the PGIR meeting, which took place on the 27th August 2021. The PGIR is a parliamentary group international relation, which according to the joint rules of parliament is responsible to oversee the activities and and the participation of parliament in international relations, the PGIR is co-chaired by House Chairperson responsible for international relations, Honorable Winning Gwenya of NCOP and Honorable Dombela of NA. The report has also appeared Honorable to the public I have been allowing the inconclusion. <laughs> Can you conclude? The official publication of Parliament knows as announcement tabling and the committee report debate of September 2021, and it is on the basic of appearance to the act that the House today is considering for its adoption. Honorable members, with this regard, I uh, respect huge his house uh, to support this report. I thank you, House Chair. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Honorable House Chair Mengwenya. Honorable delegates, I now put the question in respect of the 15th order. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting on the 15th order, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make the declaration of vote in terms of Rule 7.1, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the 15th order, consideration of the delegation reports adopted by the Parliamentary Group on International Relations, PGIR, on the 14th of May, 2021. I call upon provinces to cast their vote. When called upon, heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, abstain, or against. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, yes, I report. Thank you. Free State? Free State supports the report. Thank you. Houghton? Houghton supports the report. Thank you. Wazulu Natal? It was Zulu Natal. I pass. I report. Thank you, Mama. Limpopo? In popular tech report to in. Thank you. Pumalanga. Pumalanga support the report. Thank you. Northern Cape. Northern Cape support the report on the Thank you. Northwest. Northwest. Thank you. Western Cape. Western Cape supports the report. Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. Honorable delegates, I now put the question in respect of the 16th order. 
the question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting on the 16th order, I will allow provinces the opportunity to make declaration of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the 16th order, consideration of the report of the South African parliamentary delegation on the virtual attendance of parliamentary leadership for the 2030 Agenda Webinar Series, Climate Leadership, Preparation for a COP26, 22nd of March, 2021. I'll now call upon provinces to cast their vote when call upon heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, abstain, or against. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, I am Kela, a report. Thank you. Free State? Free State support the report. Thank you. Gauteng? Gauteng supports the report. Thank you. Wazulu Natal? Wazulu Natal, yes, Kastani report, Baba. Thank you. Limpopo? Limpopo, I am a report, and I am Thank you. Pumalanga? Pumalanga support the report. Thank you. Northern Cape? Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest? Thank you. Western Cape? Supports the report. Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable delegates will now proceed to the 17th, 18th, and 19th orders. Consideration of the report of the Joint Standing Committee on Financial Management of Parliament uh, reports uh, 3rd of December 2021, Parliament of the Republic of South Africa's performance in the first quarter of 2021-22, dated 26 November 2021, consideration of the report of the Standing Committee on Financial Management of Parliament, report Parliament of the Report of South Africa's Draft Annual Performance Plan for 2022-23, dated 26 November 2021, and the consideration of the report of the Joint Standing Committee on Financial Management of Parliament, Parliament of the Republic of South Africa, 2020-2021 annual report dated 26th of November 2021. I now call upon Honorable uh, DG Maslang, co-chair of the Joint Standing Committee on Financial Management of Parliament, to present the committee report. Honorable Maslang. It's your last one. Out of all your report you prepared for today, it's your last one for today. <laughs> Honorable Chairperson, um, House Chairperson, Chairperson of the NCOP, uh, Honorable Chief Whip, Honorable Members, fellow South Africans, to Melang. I would like to take this opportunity to present the report of the Joint Standing Committee on Finance, Financial Management of Parliament on the Parliament performance in quarter one of 2021-2022 financial year. 
Chairperson, Parliament performed its activities in the first quarter of 2021-22 financial year during the lockdown adjusted level four. Therefore, some plenary and committee activities remain devotional. The committee has made the following observations. In the first quarter of 2021-22 financial year, 12 performance indicators measured, of which nine performance indicators were new in the APP of 2021-22 financial year. Three performance indicators originates from the APP of the previous financial year. All the new performance indicators developed a measure to measure the satisfaction of members of parliament with the support offered to them. Out of 12 targets set in the APP for 2021-22 financial year, 11 performance indicators measured are achieved. The Speaker's Forum has approved the establishment of the Parliamentary Institute for Legislative Sector for Building Capacity Through Training development and research. The research uh, conceptualizing and scoping as well as the funding model and governance of the Parliamentary Institute for the Legislative Sector approved. The committee honorable house chairperson is concerned that parliament bids for its annual budget like the national departments of which parliament is a separate uh, arm of the state which should not be treated like the departments when bidding for the annual budget, which are part of the, which are part of the uh, executive. The reliance of the executive for bidding parliament annual budget may weaken parliament's oversight over the executive. The committee supports the efforts to increase public participation in parliament activities that ensure that more people have access to information about parliament through television, radio, and social media, which will contribute to the objective of parliament in relation to the public participation. However, Honorable Chairperson, parliament had not yet achieved the, the concerns of the committee about televising parliament business on a pay-to-view channel. While the committee welcomes the move to a member-centered performance evaluation system, however, the detail, the detail of how the system will work in practice. The committee remained concerned about the fact that program three will receive a substantial allocation and includes members facility, yet performance is in respect of this program will not be measured. The OISD, the PBO, TAO, and LSS will report directly to the executive uh, authority. However, the APP has no performance indicators to measure the performance of these offices. Honorable House Chair, <coughs> excuse me, we welcome the appointment of the directors of the, of the PBO and the TAO offices. However, 
We remain concerned about the long delay in filling the position of the Secretary to Parliament, Chief Financial Officer, and the Chief Audit Executive. It is not acceptable that the Parliament remains with a number of vacancies on key leadership positions, as this has potential to result to instability. The following recommendations were made by the committee after several deliberations. The committee has the following recommendations to the executive authority. Honorable Chairperson of the NCOP, OP, yes, this. The executive authority to respond within 30 days subsequent the adoption of the quarter one report of 2021-22 financial year by both houses. The committee should be provided with the detail of the new way of managing performance by giving more details in relation to reliability, usefulness, accessibility, and timeless as to how they are measured and how the new method impacts the existing performance management system. The committee, honorable chairperson and members, recommends that it should be provided with the rationale for having included members facility under program three and give reasons for not having um, performance indicators under this program in relation to the performance of members' facility. The committee recommends that clarity should be provided as to how the impact of the office of the PBO, OISD, and TAO, which are funded, will, 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 will their performance be measured and where they will account for their performance and expenditure. Honorable Chairperson, the committee recommends that it should be provided with, a, it should be provided with an ex explanation for the delay in the referral of the PBO's business plan and budget estimates. Furthermore, the executive authority should ensure that the planning and budget information is referred, is referred for processing by the relevant oversight committee to ensure that public funds are properly accounted for. Honorable Chairperson, the committee should receive a detailed report on the reasons for the long delay in filling the position of the Secretary to Parliament, CFO, CAE, as well as the measures that have been put in place to fill them before the end of the 2021-22 financial year. The committee, Honorable Chairperson, recommends that the challenge around the allocation of Parliament budget should be addressed as a matter of agency and consider parliament status as a separate arm of state and constitutional obligation to perform oversight over the executive. 
every avenue should be pursued to ensure that the majority of citizens have access to information about parliamentary committees, meetings, and plenaries. Therefore, therefore, parliamentary meetings should not be aired on pay-to-view channels, but should be broadcasted on the national broadcasting platform for the sake of the poor. The committee should receive a detailed brief on the new broadcast studio, parliament, particularly how it was funded and its expected impact and the cost of operating it over the next three years. Honorable House Chair, these are observations and recommendations of the Joint Standing Committee on Financial Management of Parliament presented to this August House. I thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Honorable Masangu. Thank you. Thank you. Honorable delegates, I now put the question in respect of the 17th order. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting on the 17th order, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make declaration of vote in terms of Rule 71 if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the 17th order, consideration of the report of Jenston in Committee on Financial Management of Parliament. I'll call upon provinces to cast their vote when call upon heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, abstain, or against. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, I am Keller report. Thank you. Free State? Free State support the report. Thank you. Fountain? Thank you. Guazulu Natal? Guazulu Natal, yes, I understand a report, Baba. Thank you, Mama. Limpopo? Limpopo, I am a report. Thank you. Mpumalanga? Mpumalanga support the report. Thank you. Northern Cape? Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest? Northwest support report, Chair. Thank you. Western Cape? Supports the report. Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Thank you. <laughs> Honorable delegates, I now put the question in respect of the 18th order. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting on the 18th order, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make declaration of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the 18th order, consideration of the report of the Joint Standing Committee on the Financial Management of Parliament. Parliament of the Republic of South Africa draft annual performance plan for 2022 23, dated 26 November 2021. I'll call upon provinces to cast their vote. Eastern Cape? Eastern Cape, EIM Cape. Free State? Free State supports. Houting? Houting? <laughs> 
How can you support? Thank you. Guazulu Natal. Guazulu Natal, yes, I can report, Baba. Thank you, Mama. Limpopo. Limpopo support the report. Thank you. Pumalanga. Pumalanga support the report. Thank you. Northern Cape. Northern Cape support the report on the budget. Thank you. Northwest. Thank you. Western Cape. Supports the report. Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Thank you. Honorable delegates, I now put question in respect of the 19th order. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting on the 19th order, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make declaration of vote if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the 19th order, consideration of the report of the Joint Standing Committee on Financial Management of Parliament, Parliament of this Republic of South Africa, 2020-2021, annual report dated 26 November. I call upon provinces to cast their vote when call upon heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, abstain, or against Eastern Cape. Thank you. Free State. Free State supports. Thank you. Houghton. Thank you. Wazulu Natal. Thank you. Momo Limpopo. Thank you. Pumalanga. Pumalanga support the report. Thank you. Northern Cape. Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest. Thank you. Western Cape. Supports the report. Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable delegates, we now proceed to the 20th order, consideration of the report of the Select Committee on Trade and Industry, Economic Development, Small Business Development, Tourism, Employment and Labor, jointly with the Select Committee on Transport, Public Service and Administration, Public Works, infrastructure at the city of Cape Town and the West Coast District in Western Cape Province dated 7 December 2021. I now call upon Honorable Dango, member of the Select Committee on Transport, Public Service and Administration, Public Works and Infrastructure to present the committee report. Honorable Dango. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Chairperson, the report is 45 pages, and I present it on, on behalf of Honorable Chaim. We'll focus upon the observations and the resolutions because I will not get through 45 pages. The Select Committee on Trade and Industry, Economic Development, Small Business Development, Tourism, Employment, and Labor jointly with the Select Committee on Public Service and Administration and public works and infrastructure are taken an oversight visit to Cape Town and the West Coast District Municipality in the Western Province from the 17th to the 20th of August, 2021. 
of the global financial crisis during 20, uh, 2008 and 2009 had a severe impact on the economy of South Africa, which also affected the Cape Metro and the Western West Coast District's economy. Since COVID-19 reached South Africa and the Western Cape, the economic effects of the pandemic and the resulting lockdown are still being felt, particularly by the most vulnerable groups. Many people still live in poverty and are without jobs. Inequality is worsening. The economy is not growing as expected. Unemployment and poverty remain the highest risks. The consistent, consistent vulnerability, including poverty and unemployment, limited access to healthcare and population density. The following areas are the most vulnerable. Kuguleto, Kailicha, Mitchell's Plain, Makassar, and Dunun. These areas are in most need of economic opportunities. This can be extended to the vulnerable communities in the West Coast District. These areas need high quality education and healthcare, and most importantly, economic opportunities. Chairman, the oversight visit to the Western Cape has demonstrated a need for government and its development partners to rapidly implement the economic reconstruction and recovery plan to attempt to realize the national development plan's strategic goals. In order to realize the national policy agenda, the development programs must be implemented rapidly and in a manner that is just and equitable. There must be fairness in distribution of resources. Chairperson, we are highlighting today, like many government policy strategic documents, that one of the core challenges is the South African economy, is the disparity between provincial economies and within provinces, regions, and cities. Larger cities and towns are growing faster than small regions and towns, and the key to reduce the disparities between the larger cities and towns. These inequalities were also clearly demonstrated during the oversight visit to Cape Town and the West Coast uh, Municipality. Chairperson, there's a need to find sustainable solutions to improve economic governance at a local level, to address the imbalances between regions and within regions. Partnerships between government at all levels with the private sector should be strengthened to drive economic development. Coordination at all spheres of government, including development agencies, in partnership with the private sector in imp implementing economic development initiatives should be supported and cemented. In order to fully gain the benefits of all developmental programs, such as SEZs and industrial parks, all sectors and departments in energy, transport, roads, public infrastructure, water and sanitation, and SOEs need to allocate resources in a more strategic manner to strengthen and enhance the growth of SEZs in industrial parks. Chairperson, while the Western Cape did not suffer the economic inact uh, from the inactivity as a result of the violent unrest that crippled Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal, economic and business activity was affected. It suffered due 
to violent taxi conflict that happened in the city of Cape Town. The taxi violence has happened, has hampered some of the business operations and put jobs of many people, particularly from the vulnerable groups at risk. In an attempt to restore and rebuild the economy, we need to redouble our efforts in reviving the formal and informal business industry. We need to find sustainable solutions to tackle the needs of the informal sector. The sector has been overlooked. The importance of the informal economy is now gaining more attention as a strategic sector that we could support South Africa, including provincial and local economies, to become more inclusive. Investor and business confidence in the country remains low. This has the potential to affect investments in critical strategic air sectors identified as having the potential to drive an inclusive economic agenda. We must support initiatives that promote investment in strategic sectors, including investment that will boost skills to support strategic catalytic economic projects. Chairperson, we support initiatives that will strengthen partnerships with higher education institutions, including research institutes that invest in research and development to support science and innovation. We support the initiative of the national government and support demonstrated by the Western Cape government to invest in the growth of the BioVac. This will add to government efforts to build and enhance the growth of the pharmaceutical industry, further to boost government efforts to build a healthy nation. Chairperson, there is a need to find sustainable solutions to improve economic governance at the local level, to address imbalances between regions and within regions. Partnerships between government at all levels with the private sector should be strengthened to drive regional economic development. Coordination at all spheres of government, including development agencies, in partnership with such a private sector, implementing economic development initiatives should be supported and cemented. In order to fully gain the benefits of developmental programs such as SEZs and industrial parks, all sector departments in energy, transport, roads, public infrastructure, water and sanitation, and SOEs need to allocate resources in a more strategic manner to strengthen and enhance the growth of the SEZs and the industrial parks. Chairperson, while the Western Cape province did not suffer the economic inactivity as a result of the violent unrest that crippled KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng, economic and business activity did suffer. In an attempt to restore and rebuild the economy, we need to redouble our efforts in reviving the informal sector and informal business. We support the initiative of the national government and support demonstrated by the Western Gate government uh, in trying to harmonize between the three spheres of government um, to bring about uh, more development. The spatial mismatch with disconnections between people, skills, and investment is, is persisting the legacy of apartheid. 
and the inadequate coordination of development planning policies resulting in transport inefficiencies, long-term travel distances, and high travel costs for the poor. But their development path needs to be reversed. As you conclude, Honorable Dango. As I conclude, Honorable Chairperson, I urge the, the, the House to support the report. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Tango. Thank you, Honorable Delegate. And I'll put the question. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make their declaration of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. Western Cape. Chair, <clears throat> Honourable De um, House Chair, Honourable Members, afford me the opportunity in congratulating the City of Cape Town and the West Coast District Municipality in putting together an exemplary oversight as requested by the Select Committee of the NCOP on Trade and Industry and Competition, Small Business Development, Employment and Labour and Tourism, and the Select Committee of Public Service and Administration, Public Works and Infrastructure. I am of the opinion that the committee members who were part of the, the delegation could find little to fault as the city of Cape Town had already developed an inclusive economic growth strategy and economic recovery plan. This will assist in building a business friendly environment, enabling firms to grow and create jobs whilst adapting to market changes and to further empower individuals to be economically active and socially, social, socially mobile. Furthermore, it was reassuring to learn and experience the positive attitude of the West Coast District Municipality with regards to the Soldana Bay Industrial Development Zone, Blue Sapphire Pools uh, and the West Coast National Park. It has therefore been proven that the success of all these businesses is due to the great partnerships already cemented with the Western Cape Department of Economic Development and Tourism, the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Competition, Ministry of the Public Enterprises, Small Business Development and the Ministry of Higher Education to deliver better and concrete results. It is this beacon of hope that all municipalities should follow on the path of regeneration and sustainable growth after decades of mismanagement and neglect. I thank you. Thank you. We shall now proceed to voting Mr. on the question. Honorable Moshodu, Honorable Moshodu, Free State. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. Allow me to speak without my video because of the weather. Uh, the city of Cape Town is the most important economic driver in the Western Cape province and a significant source of the national growth. The third largest contributor to the national cross-domestic uh, product is Cape Town. However, economy and social disparities are quite evident within the province. Poverty and unemployment is the most prevalent areas like Guguletu, Kayalita, Misha's Play, Makaza, and Dinon. Greater emphasis and intervention is needed 
within this area to create economic opportunity for our people, Honorable House Chair. The DA in the Western Cape must stop its anti-poor and swart hevar posturing and service our poor African people in the areas. Building communities trust is a serious difficulty to address the trust gap. The city of Cape Town will need to work more closely with all communities, particularly African population. Furthermore, in order to achieve an inclusive economic recovery strategy, the city of Cape Town will need to co cooperate more closely with all three sectors of government, communities and cooperative, cooperative sector. For the city to succeed, all population, particularly vulnerable group like women, youth, and persons with disability must benefit. Development should not be reserved for the edit as a currently in the case in the, in the city. The taxi conflict in Cape Town has put some business and job, particularly those of the working class, in trouble. The transport system is faced with capacity constraints that need to be tackled. The rail infrastructure is declining and the road transport is experiencing conjunction. The city needs to improve its public transportation system with safe more who serve 4.6 million people, particularly my city bus service which serve the poor and the working class. The failure of the city of Cape Town is spent 1.3 billion on this service to tackle the constraint brought about the challenge in, in public transport is unacceptable and unjust, unjustifiable. We call on the city of Cape Town to prioritize the need of African people I thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members. Thank you. Thank you. We shall now proceed to voting on the question. And the question is that the report be adopted. I'll now call upon provinces to cast their votes. When call upon heads of delegation, may indicate whether they vote in favor, abstain, or against. Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape support the report. Free State. Free State supports the report. Houting. Houting supports the report. Wazulu Natal. Wazulu Natal, yes, I understand the report. Thank you. Limpopo. Limpopo supports the report. Thank you. Pumalanga. Pumalanga stems some. Thank you. Northern Cape. Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest. Northwest support the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Chair. Western Cape. Supports the report. Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable delegates, we now proceed to the 21st order. Consideration of the report of the Select Committee on Security and Justice, uh, African Charter on Statistics to Parliament for ratification, signing, and deposit of the instrument 
dated 8 December 2021, I call on Honorable Shaikh Chairperson of the Select Committee on Security and Justice to present the committee report. Honorable Shaikh. Very much. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. Greetings to your good self. Uh, greetings, greetings to honorable you. members. Um, honorable members, the, the African Charter on Statistics, tabled on the 2nd of December 2020 by the Minister in the Presidency, was referred to the Select Committee on Security and Justice for consideration and report. The African Charter on Statistics was adopted at the 11th Ordinary Session of the Assembly of Heads of State and Government of the, of the African Union in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, on the 3rd of February 2009. The purpose of this historical step by the Executive Council of the African Union was to address the, the huge gaps that still existed between the supply and demand for statistical information needed for development and for the African integration agenda. Following the endorsement of the Charter, the strategy for the harmonization of statistics in Africa was adopted. Honorable Chair, the African Charter of Statistics was tabled by the Minister in, in the Presidency in terms of Section 231, Subsection 2 of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa. In terms of Section 231, Subsection 2 of the Constitution, an international agreement binds the Republic only after it has been approved by resolution in both the National Assembly and the National Council of Provinces, unless it is an agreement referred to in subsection three. In addition, the request for the tabling of the African Charter on Statistics in Parliament for ratification, signing, and depositing it with the African Union is done in terms of section 231, subsection four of the Constitution, that is, any international agreement becomes law in the Republic when it is enacted into law by national le legislation. But a self-executing provision of an agreement that has been approved by Parliament is law in the Republic unless it is inconsistent with the Constitution or an act of Parliament. The African Charter on Statistics does not contain any self-executing provisions that will become law in the Republic in terms of Section 231, Subsection 4 of the Constitution. Honorable Chair, the House should also note that in the process leading up to the tabling of the Charter in Parliament, illegal opinion and support on signing and ratification was obtained from the state law advisors of the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development on the Charter's consistency with domestic law. Furthermore, illegal opinion and support on signing and ratification was obtained from the chief state law advisors at DERCO on the Charter's cons consistency with international law and South Africa's international obligations. Honorable Chair, the African Charter on Statistics is a regional legal instrument which defines the principles governing the activity of the institutions in, in charge of collecting, producing, disseminating, and analyzing public statistics and the ethical and professional rules of conduct of African statisticians. The Charter is aimed at strengthening the effective implementation of the United Nations fundamental principles of official statistics. The African Charter, was, as I said, was adopted in February 2009, and, but it was entered into force in February 2015. Despite the progress already achieved in statistics, there still remains a number of major challenges 
facing the African statistical system, particularly with regard to current and topical events such as HIV and AIDS, environment and climate change, and more recently food and the financial crisis. Statistics are produced using methodologies that do not always reflect African realities and are not always comparable across countries. This is due to a number of constraints, including inadequate resources being allocated to statistical activities, a lack of institutional capacity, the low profile of statistics on the continent, inadequate coordination of statistical activities, and minimal, and minimal consideration of African specificities in setting up international standards. Regional economic community statistical harmonization programs vary from one region to another and really meet the demand for harmonized statistics across the entire continent. The strategy for the harmonization of statistics in Africa is a continent-wide effort that directly responds to these challenges and supports the African integration agenda. Honorable Chair, the purpose of the African Charter is therefore to address gaps between supply and demand of statistical information needed for development and attainment of the African integration agenda. There's a need to base formulation, monitoring, and evaluation of policies on facts. The Charter further supports the production of quality statistics necessary for monitoring and evaluation of Agenda 20, 2030 and Agenda 2063. And the African Charter on Stats, together with the Strategy for the Harmonization of Stats in Africa, are initiatives contributing to the attainment of the Continental Integration Agenda, which is an overarching goal of African leaders. Honorable Chair, Article 4 of the Charter contains the commitment of state parties, whereas Chapter 5 of the, the Charter sets out the implementation and monitoring evaluation mechanisms of the Charter. Honorable Chair, on the 8th of December 2021, the Select Committee on Security and Justice received a briefing on the African Charter on Statistics. The committee was informed that South Africa has legislation in place that governs statistics, the Statistics Act, Act 6 of 1999. Furthermore, there were no financial implications associated with the signing and ratifying of the Charter. Honorable Chair, statistics plays a crucial role for governments to understand the performance of the economy towards gross domestic product, growth, or stagnancy. Statistics help government to determine whether or not the labor market caters for the demand of the economy, as well as whether or not all elements of the planning systems are helping towards addressing the demands of populations and societies. The Select Committee on Security and Justice, having considered the request for approval by Parliament of the African Charter of Statistics table in terms of Section 231, subsection 2 of the Constitution of the Republic, recommends that the National Council of Provinces approve the above-mentioned agreement. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Chairperson Shaikh. Honorable delegates, I now put the question. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting, I will allow provinces the opportunity to make declaration of vote in terms of Rule 7.1, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the question. And the question is that the report be adopted. I will now call upon provinces to cast their vote when call upon heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. Eastern Cape. 
Eastern KPI Castle Report. Free State, thank you. And support the report. Thank you. Houting. Houting supports the report. Thank you. Wazulu Natan. Wazulu Natan. Yes, Gaston. Low report. Thank you, Mama. Limpopo. Limpopo support the report, Chipperson. Thank you. Pumalanga. Pumalanga stem sum. Ah, bare. Thank you. Thank you. Badanki, Northwest. Northwest support the report, Chair. Thank you. Western Cape. Biscop understanding. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. Honorable delegates, we now proceed to the 22nd order, consideration of the report of the Rules Committee of the Council on the 9th edition of the Rules of the National Council of Provinces. I call upon Honorable S.E. Lucas, Deputy Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces, to present the report. Mama, Honorable Lucas. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chairperson Papa. Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces, House Chairpersons of the National Council of Provinces, the Chief Whip of the NCOP, permanent and special delegates, ladies and gentlemen, comrades and friends. It is indeed an honor for me to be given this opportunity to table the Rules Committee report on the ninth edition of the Rules of the National Council of Provinces, I want to begin by asserting that the greatest test of our democratic project in the current dispensation is the efficacy of the legislative sector to advance outcome-based oversight. The legislative sector is facing a defining efficacy test, particularly with regards to its ability to re-engineer its institutional processes for purposes of accelerating economic recovery and development during the ongoing onslaught of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Constitution of the Republic of South Africa, hence affords Parliament and the NCOP, the right to develop its own internal processes and rules, which must necessarily be structured in a manner, taking cognizance of the acute development challenges we face as a country. Section 70 of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa makes clear proclamations on the internal arrangements, proceedings, and procedures of the National Council of Provinces when, it's as, when it asserts that, and I quote, the National Council of Provinces may A, determine and control its internal arrangements, proceedings, and procedures, and B, make rules and orders concerning its business with due regard to representative and participatory democracy, accountability, transparency and public involvement, close quote. These are key constitutional proclamations which allow the NCOP to strengthen its internal processes and arrangements in a manner that advances participatory democracy, accountability, transparency and public involvement. Considering these constitutionally enshrined provisions in South Africa's compelling developmental context, I am of the view 
that the review of the NCOP rules was undertaken at a very critical time, enabling us to design our rules in a manner taking cognizance of the acute development challenges that we are currently facing as a country. This review process has enabled us to carve out a set of contextually relevant and enabling rules, which will enable the NCOP to become more effective and impact-driven in its approach. As a subcommittee, we therefore engage in a series of extensive deliberative processes going into the treasure trove of the past in order to recover the ideals that shaped our distinct and peculiar mandate as an institution. We subsequently reached consensus that the rules of the council must be designed for the sole purpose of ensuring that our collective approach as a house is premised on accelerating the implementation of a people-centered and a people-driven developmental agenda. We further agree that the rules must render us effectively capable to put in place the most appropriate systems of interaction with all our social partners, while also rendering us effectively capable to exercise our collective leadership roles in a manner that is informed by the distinct mandate of the council. Most significantly, we also agree that the rules must enable us to measure the impact of the work of the council across its various platforms through effective tracking and monitoring mechanisms. This will allow us to measure our collective performance as the NCOP, particularly in giving effect to the policy priorities that are set out by our functional electoral mandate. To this end, we can only measure the impact of our work if we are clear on the assigned responsibilities of each of our business units and by period periodically assessing whether the measures and markers that we have put in place have indeed resulted in changing the material conditions of our people. Honorable members, on the 10th of July, 2019, the National Council of Provinces Rules Committee mandated the subcommittee on the review of council rules to undertake the review of the ninth edition of the council rules. The report of the subcommittee on the proposed amendments and the new proposed rules were presented to the Rules Committee at its meeting on the 10th of December 2021. The Rules Committee, having considered the report and deliberated on it, agreed to the proposed amendments and proposals on the new rules which were made by the subcommittee. I want to underscore the fact that the amendments to the ninth edition of the NCOP rules are both extensive and well thought through. The committee has ensured that in each chapter, several rules are amended and that the current practices and conventions of the councils of the council are included in the rules. After extensive deliberations, we reach consensus to amend the functions of the permanent deputy chairperson the House Chairpersons, the Chief Whip, and the appointment and composition of the workery. All of the amendments are in line with practices, current practices, and conventions of the Council. The rule on leave of absence has been amended to be in line with the constitutional provision on loss of membership of the Council. The rules have formalized ministerial briefings and also provided for referral of strategic plans 
and annual performance plans of departments to committees. Since this forms part of the important work of oversight and accountability exercised by the council, the rules on I'm sorry, the rules on notices of motions and motions without notice have also been amended to provide clarity on the format and the types of motions. The new rules on virtual and hybrid settings of the House and committees have also been included in the rules so as to accommodate our new reality. New rules establishing a committee on finance and committee on appropriation have also been added. The rule on lapsing and resumption of proceedings on bills was also amended to deal with the lapsing of bills as well as any other business that is before the council at the time when the term of the council ends. With regards to questions to the president and deputy president, the council retains the current number of six questions, given that this practice has shown that it provides for equity based on proportional representation. Honorable members, I will not extrapolate verbatim, trusting that members will be provided with a copy of the amended rule book so as to familiarize themselves with the new amendments, which will serve as an important instrument to enrich the work of the council. The amendments of the rules of the council are meant to ensure that we intensify our oversight in a coherent and effective member manner. I, I also just want to emphasize that we have agreed that we need to have a workshop to make sure that all of the members are, are properly equipped with the new rules. And with that said and done, I also just want to mention that the rules has been uh, published in the ATC of the 13th of December. I would like now to take this opportunity to extend my sincere appreciation to the members of the subcommittee and the committee under the leadership of the chairperson who made every effort to engage in a constructive battle of ideas. I would also like to extend my appreciation to the, to the chief whip in particular, and as well as all the members of the subcommittee, but also to advocate Pindela and his team who worked tirelessly to enable us to table this report here today. With all of those said, I hereby table the report on the amendment of the ninth edition of the NCOP rules. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Chairperson, Mayor Lucas, Honorable Delegates. I now put the question. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make declaration of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the question, and the question is that the report be adopted. I will now call upon provinces to cast their vote. When called upon, the heads of delegation must indicate whether they vote in favor, against, or abstain. Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape, I am in report. Thank you. Free State. Free State supports the report. Thank you. Houten. Houten, in favor of the report. Thank you. KwaZulu Natal. 
report baba thank you mama limpopo limpopo support the report thank you mpumalanga mpumalanga ifumalana nayo khulu kwamambala thank you northern cape northern cape support the report on the campus thank you northwest ukoni bupirima boy ya mogela mulula stulo thank you Western Cape supports the report. Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. Thank you. Uh, honorable members Uh, before let me allow the honorable uh, chief whip to make a statement honorable chief whip honorable hai thank you uh, house chair uh, honorable nyambe i just want to make an appeal uh, to members to prioritize the business of the council and make sure that their videos uh on uh, on and at all times when they address the chairperson or the council this request has been made repeatedly by the chairperson of the house honorable masondo and it's time really that members do appreciate that this is significant with regard to the decorum of our house uh, uh, tomorrow we want to appeal that uh, we need to see members when they address the house the council not in their cars uh, not in public places uh, but members should take positions that are appropriate that they are part of the house uh, we can no longer tolerate the behavior where members speak to the house anonymous that cannot be traced uh, or rather be in a manner that is consistent with the decorum of this house i really want to make that appeal house chair thank you Thank you straight and uh, to the point uh, it's uh, ampling what has been said many times by the chair of the council Tatemasondo and all other presiding officers honorable delegates allow me to take this opportunity to thank MSCs all special delegates salga representatives for availing themselves your good selves honorable members for availing yourself for this very important plenary honorable delegates that concludes the business of the day the house is adjourned see you tomorrow recording stopped